When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This shit got content claimed for having a shitty named song. So fuck LCDC and fuck you. It's Thursday, you know what that means. It is episode 69, up top of my brother, the most elite show on the Rundown Wrestling Network. This is the AEW Rundown. My name is Adam, I'm your host, Salas here. What's up, buddy? Hello, Adam. How are you this fine, fine evening? I've been relaxing here, just enjoying some, some wrestling tonight. Why did that sound like you were reading off a page? I hear you had a long fucking day. You You sound like Orlando Jordan selling magazines in office space. Hello, I used to be addicted to crack cocaine. Uh, Also joining us, we have another special guest this week, just like we did two weeks ago, because the episode with Troy was not long enough. And who better to have on episode 69? Jason's here. What's up, pal? Than the one person that can 69 from a standing position. Not much. What's going on, boys? It's, uh, Sorry, I don't I don't have the machine, so give me just parse cock. There we go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting to be on the other side of the Wednesday Night Wars for a change, so uh, we'll see how, how this goes. I think you guys have a nicer studio than us, though, except for those Kip Sabian pictures are back up. I thought we talked about this last time I was here, Sal. I took him down, but he keeps putting them back up. All right, well. And then he and then he kind of tore up the the Penelope listen, Ford ones. Listen, he, he's a, he's a married man now. It's time to yeah, move on. <laughs> so does Finn Balor, but you never, anyway. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> it's been a pretty cold week. <laughs> fucking sucks for anybody in the rest of the normal part of the country. Uh, yeah, we're in New England, and it fucking sucks. It's the worst. It's fucking cold, and every day is colder than the last, and then it snows every three days. So did you just classify, like, Florida as the normal part of the country? <laughs> well, I was thinking more like the majority of the rest of the country, like Middle America and the South. That's, that that, that snowstorm that we got got pounded the Midwest first, so... Okay. But we've, it's also snowed three times I'm not sure you understand then. how storm systems work. No, but it's also snowed three times since then. Just here in New England. Uh, so we've only had three storms total, I think. So. And one of them barely counted. Okay. We're also streaming live to the world on twitch.tv slash the Salzer Effect. Thank you, uh, Lil Stick, for the uh, for the follow there. Uh, you heard Jason laughing at my, uh, my, my follower notification noise. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're gonna have a good time. Holden uh, made another uh, Office Space reference with, "What am I gonna do with 500 subscriptions to Vibe?" But uh, such a good movie. Um, yeah. Shall we just uh, dive in then? Head first. Best way to do it. It is episode 69. Exactly. Which means tonight. We'll begin with BTE, episode 242, entitled, Set for Life. 
See, I wanted you to, like, scream that, like, 80s rock style. Like, set for life! No? All right. All right, we begin BTE with the same tired joke of the Good Brothers in front of a green screen. Uh, they appear to be naked. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they're not actually naked. Well, the, the, the very first shot you could see... You can see boxers. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Bucks say these guys keep getting them in trouble. Mac Jackson says their little gestures of smoking weed and bestiality innuendo uh, gotta stop before they catch a kid's ace. The Bucks read a fake email complaint because that was 100% made up bullshit. And the club tried to too sweet them, but Matt Jackson's all like. <laughs> so the Bucks instead. I mean, the. I'm sorry, what, what was he like? <laughs> oh, okay, just checking. Uh. <laughs> So the so then, because they didn't too sweet them, the camera pans out and we have the black bars, the token black bars across their midsection, and Gallows and Anderson fucking helicopter dick, the fucking box. Now, now I, I I don't I I am somewhat of an expert on helicopter dicking. Mm. Um, that's not how you do it. You can't get the proper rotation just doing this. There's got to be a little up and down movement there to make it work. So uh, their their helicopter dick, uh, just their their form is completely off. Also, the way the black bars were, if they were actually helicopter dicking, th- those black bars wouldn't cover everything because every now and then it would swing through the shot. You know what I'm saying? So it sounds like it's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, unless they've just got really tiny dicks. Yeah, Gallows and Anderson. Maybe. I will say this. Gallo's looking like he's in fantastic shape. I didn't realize he had abs like that at this point. Which, okay, so which on, is weird because you would think Gallo's is just a big dude. But then, like, yeah, he's he's cut. The dude's pretty cut. At least at least lower abdomen. Like, he doesn't really have a yeah. chest, but. At least now we know whose abs Chris Jericho stole for his photoshops. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I can't remember. Was it sent? Was it sent in the host thread, or did it, was it something that I saw on like Facebook of the the meme of when that episode of Homer Simpson is showing off, but he has all his fat like clothes pinned and, and, and <laughs> tied behind him. Yeah, that was the host thread. Okay. Um. By the way, hold it. And I love the reference over there. Nice shot. So, the club continued to helicopter. And then Kyle Landis says something like, my grandmother loves when I do this. Let's just fucking say No, shit. no, 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 no. All right, so you're missing you're missing all the jokes here. First off, when the when the Bucks entered, get the Gallows said, biggest cocks in wrestling. I don't know if he's calling them cocks or he's talking about their penises, but either way. Um, but then later on when they're doing the helicopter dick, he starts talking about Anderson's grandmother. And he says, don't talk about my grandmother while we're doing this. She's like, she's a gilf. She's a gilf. Gilf, grandma, I'd like to fuck. That was that was the joke there. <clears throat> still fucking stupid. I still hate all of it. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, as they leave, Anderson yells out that, Gallows, get your cock off my arm. <laughs> and man, if I had a dollar for every time somebody... It's, I'm sorry, but it's seriously like being back in high school, like sophomore year. Like, <laughs> except for like I'm not 
fucking 16 anymore, so it's really not that funny. Um, speaking of which, <laughs> the fucking Bucks wonder why the club were fucking apparently aroused during this whole segment. <laughs> any other any other comments on our opening segment for BTE this week? Blood with fire. <laughs> Alright, after the title sequence, we go to the Bucks who are taking reference photos for oh, the I'm, new sorry, AW sorry. video I game. Do have one, yes. I do have one question, because I noticed this, and I'm not on the show often enough to discuss this, but I do notice, and perhaps you guys have too, I don't know if the Young Bucks just speak really fucking quietly or if they don't know how mics work. Because every single week, if they're, in a, if they're in a scene with somebody, I have to turn the volume up every time the Bucks start talking and turn it down when everyone else starts talking. It's sort of annoying. Well, Adam, this has just confirmed that it's not just us. <laughs> We've said that a few times, and it's, it's, it's only the Bucks. So it's not like it's Cutler's fault and he's doing something wrong with the camera, but... The Bucks just, every time they're in a segment, half the time I can't fucking hear them. So a little, little stick in the chat has asked a very important question. Uh, who thinks that their peens are smaller than Titus O'Neil? I, I think he's referring to the Good Brothers. The Good Brothers, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Astro is concerned that your background, Jason, is going to get me thrown off twist. Oh. So I moved I moved my webcam to show that, no, she's closed. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen things on Twitch, but we'll leave it at that. Um, so this video game that they keep referencing, I don't know, still haven't uh, haven't seen any pictures from it, haven't seen any like announcements. I think it's uh, well, we, a pipe we dream at this Hikar- point, so we'll see. We, we did see Hikaru Shida's very abnormally large breasts <laughs> in the preview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Jericho's abnormally defined abs. So. Yeah. Oh. Abnormally, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Uh, skipping past the box because I can't fucking hear him anyway. <laughs> uh, Cutler Cam is taping the tag team battle royal. Uh, we we watch Matt Jackson get thrown out. Which now I kind of know why, because they made it a point to sit, to focus on who threw him out. But I wish they made it a point during the battle royal. But that's alright. Um, also, Mark Quinn bitches that he got thrown out, and we see the club show up and do absolutely fuck all nothing to help Nick Jackson when he gets eliminated. Yeah, that was Cutler Cam this week. Anybody see anything interesting on Cutler Cam? Do we ever see anything interesting on Cutler Cam? Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, we don't see the good footage where he's, you know, cut a hole in the wall of Penelope's dressing room, but that's <laughs> different. Different thing. All right. That's uh, Cutler only fans. <laughs> there you go. Uh, then it's time to go to the Dark Clubhouse, and today the Dark Order are making Valentine's Day cards. Is this in preparation of the Dark Orgy? Yeah, that comes later. Okay. Just checking. 
John Silver says we all know that we have the same crush, who is, of course, Wardlow. Wardlow! Wardlow! Stu wants to read his out loud to make sure it sounds good. Can I, please, if you gentlemen will indulge me, I'd like to read Stu, uh, Stu Grayson's Valentine's Day card. Please don't try to do Stu's accent. No, I won't. Okay, good. You push hard, you pull hard, you are hard, and so am I. <laughs> Hallmark line one. I know, right? <laughs> Uno says, you've got some juicy thighs. Will you be my valentine? Uh, then Five asks to read his, and they don't let him, and make fun of him, and Colt is sad because he says, imagine if Hangman was at our slumber party last week. And Five's like, almost fucks it up, but... They will. They just like no. Shut the fuck up, five. Nobody wants to fucking hear from you. Uh, what happened after that? Hold on one second here. You didn't note what Silver said to five. So what Silver said to five? No. What? Five, oh, Silver told him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, no, no. So why do your fingers smell like your asshole, five? I did hear that. Now I remember that. I didn't note it. That's my fault. Because it has been well documented that Five has a stinky asshole. That's true. And apparently hangs out with Ricochet. <laughs> I was just going to say, is that a Ricochet reference? <laughs> All right. So it's Uno says it's time to give these cars to their Valentine, and Ka-chow. they leave. Uh, we go to Matt Hardy, who is right. leaving a voicemail for Hangman Page. Um and gee, I thought this was the only time I was going to have to deal with this fucking bullshit this week. <sighs> Private parties show up. Private parties all mad because they feel like Hardy's cheating on them. Um, they are also mad that Hangman never gave them their twelve dollars because that was great TV back then on YouTube. Hey, nice throwback though. Sure, except for I fucking despise that segment and every time they um, filmed in that fashion back then. Uh, let's see here. Dude, they fought a teddy bear. Like, what the fuck? And the teddy bear kicked the shit out of him. A teddy bear, more deserving of a TNT title shot than the person <laughs> who got one. <laughs> I have a comment on that, but we'll get to that later. Uh, let's see here. Matt Hardy says they have bigger problems tomorrow night on Impact. Storm and Sabin, or beer guns, as I have called them, have a tag title shot against the Good Brothers. So, Matt Hardy and Private Party need to show up at Impact and make sure the club don't lose their belts. Jason, you watch Impact Wrestling from time to time? Uh, sometimes. Did you happen to watch this week? Uh, I have not finished it yet. Okay, I'm going to assume that if Gals and Anderson are scheduled to defend their uh, titles against Private Party at the pay-per-view, or the special event, um, that they're not going to drop them... To James Storm and Chris Saban. Well, I can spoil it for you, but it uh, the match is now a triple threat. So, oh, fuck. Had no surrender. I really was a fan of um, Beer Money, and I was also separately a fan of Motor City Machine Guns. Really don't know how I feel about Chris Saban and James Storm as a team. 
I mean, look, uh, Shelley's obviously doing what he's doing. I don't know if you guys have covered it on this show. I, um, I did hear. I remember you, you talked about it in the host thread. Um, for those yeah. who might be wondering, uh, Jason, could you tell everybody what Alex Shelley's been up to? Basically, he is um, a physical therapist, I believe. He works in some sort yeah. of medical field. I think he's an EMT on the weekends as well. Um, so until he gets his vaccine, um, he did not want to subject or risk going into the situation of a TV taping and then bringing something back to his patients. Um, so sort of a selfless act. He's, he's passing on doing something he loves to do that he makes money on uh, to protect those around him. So hats off to him. But uh, yeah, so that's why he's not participating currently in TNA. Yeah, so they decided, no, let's just stick Saban and Storm together. Ah, it doesn't matter. It's fucking TNA. I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, it's not a, a crazy formula when you take two of the better um, tag team, one half of two of the better tag teams in the company's history, and put them together when their partners are not available. They've it's done not. That a lot. It's not a crazy formula. It's just mm-hmm. n- not a new one. <laughs> no, I've seen it a few times. Uh, that was how. Uh, what you gonna call it? Marty Jannetty got half of his partners after Shawn Michaels. There you go. All right. Uh, speaking of the to club, sorry right, to catch up. <clears throat> Holden says, uh, first, I wanted to be in the dark order. I, I asked if I could have six with them, but they would prefer if I ate them. Um, bop bop And then said, sorry about your damn machine gun. And. Uh, yeah, that's where we're at. Um, I would Thank also like to point follow. out that Little Stick 5291 said, there is a boob that Jason is relaxing on. So I'm assuming he means where your head was in regards to Scarlet. I ain't mad at it. <laughs> All right. For those of you not uh, following along on Twitch, Jason you should be. Is, uh, Scarlet Bordeaux. <laughs> I do agree with Astro's most recent comment, though. Um, Boob pillows are the best. Jesus. Holden says, you know who else had boob pillows? Dahmer. Thanks. Jesus Christ. Continue. All right, speaking of the club. The MyPillow guy would have made a special set for our former president. Oh, my God. All right, (laughs) speaking of the fucking bullet club, or the club in WWE, uh, Gales was yelling at... Anderson's cock. What the fuck am I watching? It's like Beavis and Butt. It really fucking is. Uh, Bucks show up again, and they discuss Kenta showing up and the door being opened. More on the door later. Carl is concerned that Tom will show up, uh, but Nick assures them that this is like only like a two-week program with Kenta. Yeah, okay. I don't buy that for a second. Uh, but Nick's pissed off because the club cost him the Battle Royal. It could have been the club versus the Bucks at Revolution, but the club fucked it up. Um, Matt then calls the club alcoholics, drug addicts, sex addicts, and Nick tells them they need to repent weekly, and Gallo says he gets on his knees every week. And then he said, if I don't, and then somebody else said something, I didn't catch what he said. I mean, they like to, to swizz some whiz and catch a kiss. What's wrong with that? Swiss and whiz, catch a kiss. Was any of that words? <laughs> it's, you, you don't speak that language? You're talking about cheese whiz? 
Uh, He's saying he likes to smoke some weed and come with himself. <laughs> I don't think he's discriminating. Pretty sure any anyway, any port in a storm when you're big LG. Big LG seems to be flying into port or landing in port solo a lot, especially on BT. And solo? <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Hey, you put some respect on the latest member of the Nightmare Family. Oh God. Oh, more on that later. Yes. Uh, the Good Brothers promised to stop fucking up, plus it's not their fault. Um, they, were, they were on their way to being almost set for life, but got fired during a pandemic. Ugh. Adam, Adam, this wine I got over here is really bitter, man. Thought it would get better with time, but it's uh, still really bitter. Why the fuck are we taking a shot? I got fired. During the pandemic, like really, we're still saying that they fired everybody. It's true. Yeah, it's true. They fired everybody. So then, you also you also missed the part where uh, Matt talked about um, gallows just coming everywhere and it was hanging off the ceiling. That was some imagery I really didn't need. I didn't miss it. I decided <laughs> consciously not to note it. <laughs> oh, what a feeling! <laughs> When you're jizzing on the ceiling. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. So the club, the box, they too sweet, or at least Nick does. Matt refuses to. No, that's something we do behind closed doors. Uh, then Gallows makes joint smoking references with his left and jerking off motions with his right. Yes. I was gonna say behind closed. Something we do behind closed doors. So is jizzing on the ceiling. I mean. Depends on your preference. I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. Whatever. Some people are exhibitionists, Adam, and that's okay. True. You want to charge admission to your jizzing on the ceiling? Go for it, man. It's cool. Be you. Cutler only fans. <laughs> Steve Cutler? He's looking for some income these days. That's true. Wait, he's looking for some... Never mind. Uh, let's see here. Oh, he asks Anderson for a cigarette, who tells him, fuck you, dude. And we get a close-up on Gallows, who said, I just need a cigarette, because I came in my pants. And haven't we all been there? I mean... <laughs> Facts. All right, back to the... But that dark. was one of those ones where they, they tried to create this dramatic moment of coming in his pants, but they, they cut too late, and you hear everybody laughing. So, including Gallows. Uh, let's see here. Back to the Dark Order. They are ready to give their crush their valentines. Um, I will give them credit for the first thing they do is walk up to Anna, and they all look at her, and Silver's like, get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> uh, John Silver walks up to Wardlow, who happens to be standing, just happens to be standing there, and he shyly hands him his valentine, which says, I want you, Wardlow, from John, from Johnny Silver. P.S. I'm hungry. You, know, you did catch the reference, right? The reference? You to, didn't catch the reference? To what? Billy Madison? Y- yes, I did. <laughs> from t- 30 fucking years ago. <laughs> I didn't even. Th- I don't even think John Silver was alive when that movie came out. 
Well, that was definitely what he was going for because he made the same facial expressions and everything. I so. know, I've seen it mimicked before. <laughs> it was. It was. By the way, it wasn't until this segment that I actually noticed how much Wardlow could resemble Roman Reigns if he really wanted to. If he wanted to, this is true. I'll give you that. Especially with this, like the the facial hair and the, yeah. the haircut. Yeah. This is a guy, honestly, from a, from a looks perspective, and I've only seen him work a few times, but I've been pretty pretty happy with his work and ring. I don't know why they don't push this guy more. I don't know. John Silver was three years old when uh, Billy Madison came out. But it's a classic. Yeah, no, I was just I was just uh, <laughs> finding out how, how Sal was wrong. You like uh, doing that a lot, so it, it's par for the course. Um, oh, you just fucked up what I was just about to talk about. Uh, <laughs> no, Adam just fucked up what I was just about to say in your in response to what you were saying, and I don't remember it at all. Oh, fuck it. <laughs> I was saying they should push Wardlow more. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, dude, that's what this whole segment's about. Everybody's in love with him. <laughs> Everybody loves Wardlow. That should be the Although, line. perhaps my favorite part of this segment was very low-key, but we'll talk about it later. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So after Silver, it's 10. And 10 apparently had put on the card, I love you in numbers. Where he put numbers like one four three, like you used to do with a pager back in the day. Uh, they hug, and I put very platonically, because it wasn't like you know. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a bro hug though. It was two arms, full full embrace. But it was one of those like, yeah, good job, good job, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Were there backpats? Yes. Yeah. See, but know. there was also there was also I believe a little circular rub. Mm. So. Oh, yeah, right. Maybe from ten to Wardlow. I don't think it was reciprocated. <laughs> uh, Colt drew Wardlow on his card, and Wardlow shakes his hand, and then Alex Reynolds says, "We both have nice hair." <laughs> they also shake hands. Uno says, and I quote, I'm a married man, but for you, Wardlow, anything. Doesn't specify. <laughs> but they do shake hands, and Uno loves his firmness. I mean, it's Wardlow. Who doesn't? Right? For you, I would give you my hole! Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wardlow says, aggressive bunch, you guys, yeah. Yeah. Uno let go of my fucking hand. <laughs> uh, Uno's like, I'll call you later? And he's like, I don't. <laughs> that was okay, good. so, I, I don't know, you, at this point, you're, you're deep enough in this, I don't think you noticed my favorite part of this. Mm -hmm. um, where they're doing this, the walls are all mirrored. So while Wardlow is talking to each one individually, you can see Anna sitting in her normal position in the mirror, and she is just laughing at every Shit. single one of these that they pass through here. Son <laughs> of a fucking great. bitch. I, awesome. I miss that. And I usually am the first one to catch Anna and be like, did you see Anna's face in that segment? Because it makes the whole segment. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Anytime the dark board is on it, my eyes instantly start looking for Anna. It's just yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a thing. Holden says that uh, Colt and Anna should get married and she can be Anna Cabana. It just makes sense. I think Colt's wife might be a little upset with that, but 
And Stu. Yeah, Stu would definitely be <laughs> upset with that. Uh, oh, speaking of Stu, Stu says fucking nothing. He just gives him, like, a hearty, like, fist to the chest and just walks by. <laughs> Like he just lost his words. He just couldn't find the words. Magnificent beauty that was Wardlow took his words away from him. Mm-hmm. We've all been there. Uh, five comes up, but his Valentine's Day card isn't for Wardlow because Wardlow's not his type. Wardlow responds, Oh, fuck off, five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Five leaves to go see his real crush, which apparently is Hangman Page. Spoilers. Well, that's what that's literally how the segment ended. It was five was the last one. Uh, what are your thoughts on that segment? Anyone? Anyone? I thought it was hilarious. Like I said, the best part is go back and rewatch it and watch for Anna in the background. It's oh, the best. I will. Because I love seeing Anna on my on my YouTube. Uh, Adam, your thoughts on this segment? Maybe she oh, didn't yeah. know that. Didn't fucking watch it. Never mind. <laughs> Maybe she didn't know she was uh, in the mirrors. No, no, she, she clearly she, didn't because she felt but free she's to just laugh like this sitting time. on the sitting behind the booth like she usually does, but you just see her like the whole time. So. She's she's been really good at not breaking, even when we like, talked about we talked about last week. Yeah, when John Silver was yelling at her face and she's like trying so hard but also succeeding. I was like, damn, good yeah. for you, because I I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, you also got to guess, as we saw with the Brody special, how many takes does that involve? How many times <laughs> did she break that's before true. they got the take that was usable? Would be usable. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, oh, yeah. So five goes to see Paige. Hangman, not Paige, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hangman, goes, Hangman goes on and on about... It's better this way, and the Dark Order are fine, and then he leaves, and Five is well, sad. Well, first he asked him if his shirt showed too much nipple. That's true. He did say that. And then Five was like, no, no, a little nip's okay. Uh, Five never got to give him his Valentine's Day card, so he leaves it like under his jacket, which was, was nice. Oh, man, you're missing all the best lines. Go ahead. As Hangman walks away, he goes, oh, and Five? Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Very lovingly. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, that was a good part. Yeah. Uh, Are you sure you watched this? I did. <laughs> no, I watched it on Monday. So there you go. See, you were the smart one who rewatched it tonight. I am more committed to your show than you are, sir. No, you just take better notes than me. <laughs> and have a better memory. Uh, Statlander. Statlander is next. You guys oh remember the time Sal tried to take notes with voice to text? <laughs> that was a good week. <laughs> I remember when we used to try to read Sal's emails with voice to text. <laughs> no, it was no, it was the voicemails. It was the uh, yes. the Google Voice transcript. Yeah. Good stuff. Veronica, the fuck, fuck. Big Old ass, big titties. That's the only one I remember. Forget <laughs> All right. Oh, she asked Brandon if he'll film something for her. And I'm thinking, it's about to get sexy up in here. Uh, <laughs> she admits, or kind of thinks, that her and Orange Cassidy may or may not have something going on. Uh, so she wrote him a song 
and she kind of wants to like sing it to him, but she's not really sure. So Cutler's like, "Oh, you want me to like film it?" And she's like, "Yeah, but I'm super nervous." But she decides to go a, through with it. This is just a horrible way for Caleb with a K to find out. <laughs> uh, let's Caleb Conley and Impact is yes. who Statlanders with and. Thought she was with someone different now, but no, that am I. Um, she's 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 with someone, and she is abducting people for butt sex. Yeah, that ain't right. <laughs> the real question is, you guys haven't answered: is is she giving or receiving said butt sex? I was assuming receiving because she said unless it was subject unless it was, was too be, big. She, unless she it was Griff Garrison's hole, it was too. So I'm saying she might be into pegging. You're, you're really, so you're casting your assumptions onto Chris Statlander. I don't think that's very fair. We don't have specifics on alien genitalia. Exactly. You that's don't know what she point. got. <laughs> that's a good point. Um, so I didn't write down the lyrics of the song. She sang Orange Cassidy's song. And but she's so and by the way the entire time when she goes up to Cassidy Cassidy's just chilling there like he normally is with his shades on and as soon as like the cameras you see Cassidy I knew he was gonna pretend to be asleep like I knew that was the bit <laughs> and of course she sings to him she leaves because she's so embarrassed Cutler's like oh dude go after her man and he takes Cassidy's glasses off and Cassidy's asleep wow. Didn't see that one coming. What'd you think of that? I, I will say this: Statlander's singing not as bad as I would have expected. No, no, actually not I bad. Mean, little pitchy dog, little pitchy dog, but not bad. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, and then to end the segment, Cutler goes, "I'm not telling her," and runs away. Because Cutler's a bitch. Uh, Anna J wants to give her crush a Valentine, so she gives it to Stu. On the front it says V Day with hearts and A W underneath it, and on inside it says Fuck off. I expect nothing less from Anna J to Stu. I think that Here's was very. Your Valentine's Day card at shopaew.com. <laughs> Gotta get that branding on there, dude. Yes. Then we go to the brand new champion of this show, Sammy Guevara, the guy from the other vlog. Fuego introduces him as the newly rechristened Sammy's vlog champion. Uh, Marco's also there. Not sure why, unless he's on Sam. Do you watch Sammy's vlog, Jason? Uh, I don't, but I get the thumbnails every week, so Marco's in a lot of them. Okay, so Marco. He was in a shower with Griff Garrison last week in the thumbnail. Don't that that was enough to make me never watch that episode. So I've, I've never watched the show, and you're definitely not endorsing it, so that I'll watch it now. <laughs> I, I will say, I, I one thing I agree with you guys week after week, 100 percent on is John Silver's intros to those challenges was the best. Yeah. <laughs> And now instead we get fucking uh, Fuego trying to John, be Michael Buffer. A, a <laughs> bottle, bottle boy, a bottle cap boy, I, I, I flip, uh, champion, BT. As John B, this is John BT champ. 
This is John Silver. I'm hungry, and I'm the champ. <laughs> I'm John. A BT. Um, I'm John Champion. Um, <laughs> and, right. uh, I mean, it reminds me of a Hunter Ward promo. So is that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew that would pop out. Damn it. So much energy at the end of intermission, but any other time during the show. Uh, it's time for our number one contenders match. But for some reason, John Silver is banned and will not be getting a rematch. That's some bullshit. Silver doesn't want to carry that belt through the airport anymore. That's true. But he was the best part of the championship. Uh, today it will Just be... Just wait Cutler wins it. It'll be, you'll love it. Today it will be trivia with teams... If the, if the competition was sleeping at the airport, then Cutler probably would win. Or Dungeons and Dragons. So today it will be trivia. Dungeons and what? Dragons. Dragons? Are you a dragon? You're welcome. <laughs> Team Sammy's Vlog versus Team BTE. Marco, Griff, Garrison, and Fuego versus Cutler. Ten and five. Which I did appreciate when Cutler looked around and goes, wait, is it just, just a couple Dark Order guys? That That's all we have this week? Um... Apparently, you must answer trivia in the form of a movie. Okay. Uh, Marco gets pissed and tries to leave, but they won't let him. Uh, Please we... let him. Yeah. Please. Seriously. Uh, we, we continue trivia in the dark clubhouse because they were being too loud in the conference room they were in. I forget who threw them out, but somebody was like, hey, shut the fuck up. And they had to move to... Is Statlander? This is not, I think it was Starlander. She comes in later, and it's, I didn't even recognize her. But uh, Yeah, so they go to the dark clubhouse to try to continue the trivia game, and Shivani shows up and tells them all that they fucking suck at life and they need to fuck off and shut the fuck up. Pretty much exactly what he said. <laughs> so I'm filming something with Thunder Roses, so would you kindly shut the fuck up? Yes, there it is. <laughs> Uh, by the way, this, this bit, or this challenge is so fucked, uh, that Cutler has to tell Sammy to recap for the viewers what the fuck happened. Basically, they have to answer AEW-style trivia questions in the form of famous movies. Right. So it was like, Wardlow to MJF, the bodyguard. It's, it's worse than it sounds. Yeah, it, it's true. <laughs> sounds pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, Fuego, Ten, and Cutler uh, all tie at the end of this bit. So they will all get a title shot next week, which yeah. Sammy says Fuego, involves handstands. Fuego, Ten, and Cutler were tied at the time Shivani told him to shut the fuck up. That's true. Um, so is it just who can do a handstand the longest? Is that what's going to be the challenge next week? Because I'm assuming out of those four, Ten would probably win. Or Fuego. Fuego, because he's, like, tiny. I don't know. Uh, we finish with a close-up on the V-Day card left by five that says, Howdy, partner, will you be my Valentine? Matt Hardy finds it, and because Matt Hardy is a piece of fucking shit... He tears it up. 
What a fucking dick. Eat a human shit. It's true. Any more thoughts on BT? Um, no, I want a horse that is made of chocolate. <laughs> like a live horse, but totally chocolate. No, I don't want you to take a horse and dip oh. it in chocolate. No, that's not what I want. Um, we got a new segment on the show this week. Holden, Holden says, going by that movie theme, Statlander vs. The Velveteen Dream would be Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> in parentheses, allegedly. Allegedly. Adam. What? We got a new segment. Adam. 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 <laughs> we got a new segment this week. Okay. It's on the run sheet, man. You don't have the run sheet? There's no new segment on it. It is. It's called Ratings Corner. Oh, no, wait. I'm sorry. We don't do that on this show. Never mind. Let's go on to Dynamite. <laughs> I don't want to talk about numbers that are antiquated and don't mean anything anymore. I don't give a shit what the Wednesday night ratings are. My show Damn, why me? did you bring it up? I'm not taking shots at your show, man. You do you. I don't give a fuck about the ratings. Besides, every time you bring up ratings corner in your show, all you do is make Ginger upset. <laughs> That's the point. Ginger <laughs> is a old asshole. The point is to get him riled up. <laughs> he's younger than us. I understand that. But he's older in grumpiness. That's That's a good point. It's true. It's all those years of hanging out with Derek. <laughs> For the motherfucking love of motherfucking kayfabe. Uh, Dina Mate episode 72. So it's uh, your week to start, Sal. Yes, we open with the entrance video of the bad boy, Joey Janela. He's so important that we immediately cut away to show us highlights of Kenta showing up last week. <laughs> Can I just, because I did a little research for the show, because I like to be informed when I when I question something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those not aware, Joey Janela 1-0 in singles matches in 2021. That one victory against Jack Evans on Dark. Currently 19 not I'm sorry 9 and 13 all time in singles competition in AEW. Bye. See his his Chiron said he was 2-0. Not according to Cage Match. Oh, you know what? I don't think that's singles, because I think he had one tag team win. Oh, okay. With Sonny Kiss. With Sonny Kiss. Still, all on dark. So, speaking of rankings, no, we'll do that later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I was going to say, but where is he in the rankings? But, okay. So. Hey, those wins on dark are very influential in the rankings, apparently. Here's the thing. (laughs) I want to get this out of the way very quickly. Janela getting a TNT title shot makes no fucking sense, 100% not deserved, and made me question what the fuck is the point of the TNT title. No, no, but, 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 I will say they did a better job this week of explaining the history between Janela and Darby than they did last week, so if, if they just said Darby wants to fight Janela because they go way back, at least that would have made sense. Yeah, no, Dar- Darby asked for the match against Janela. They just didn't 
do that part on TV or explain that to us until people started complaining about Joey Janela getting a title shot. Also, they do still have non-title matches, right? That is still a thing <laughs> you can do. That's true. Um, the one thing I will say in defense of this, and, and not necessarily something I agree with, but um, the TV title has always been a bit of a different standard in terms of the TNT title and to, to the world title in terms of rankings, because you think about Cody defended it against guys who weren't even signed to the company. So, <laughs> that's, the point, that's the point that Holden just made. Cody was challenging the, people off the street for the TNT title, so there's precedent for unworthy challenges to the point. The problem with that line of logic, if you want to go down that logic track, that's fine. The problem with that is that every single one of those people that brought in had zero losses in the company. <laughs> Joey Janela has 13. So, yeah. But the rankings matter in this company. Whoever's the number one ranked person will get a title shot. Now, how they got to that number one ranking, we'll discuss a little later. But <laughs> but that has less to do with Janela and more about a little cupcake. But we'll deal with that later. Oh, she ain't getting a title shot. That's all. Yeah, but you know what? She is. She's just. She's literally the last person that should be number one in the women's rankings division. <laughs> Again, I don't want to. I don't even go go off on a tangent on that. I don't. Um. Okay. So I know we are pre-taped tonight, but can we fucking turn down the fake crowd noise? Because that shit was Wait, loud when Dynamite came on. Weren't they pre-taped last week? I thought this week was a live week. No, oh, last week was Beach Break. Last, last week, was, week was Beach Break. It was live. Okay, because last week you told Troy when he asked. Troy was, Archer two having... was that two weeks ago? That okay, was two weeks ago, yes. All right, then I'm all screwed up. By the way, interesting to note, you guys questioned the whole Beach Break thing. Mm-hmm. I believe that was supposed to be their first episode from their new location in, in Miami, Miami that never happened. Yes, but they so. never told us that on TV. No. Oh but that's why they originally had named it Beach Break, and right. then went, oh, well, we've already advertised it. And so. <laughs> oh, fuck it, I got this t-shirt here. I mean, it's, it's fucking go with degrees it. in Jacksonville, but fuck it. Beach Break it is. <laughs> well, why do you think JR keeps complaining about needing a hoodie? Right. Uh, in the chat, uh, for clarification, Lil Stick says, I have a question. Do they have certain time periods when they reset rankings and who was in the first place before the reset gets a title shot? Uh, the rankings are yearly, so at the end of the calendar year, they all reset, uh, or at least the records reset to zero zero, um, but the rankings just exist. But they change them weekly based on quote unquote one loss record. And unquote. supposedly, because I heard Cody say this before on TV, quality of opponent. Yeah, that's he, not a thing. No, he said that. Quality. No, no, I know, but it's not a thing. No, I know, but that's what I mean. Like that's the biggest bunch of bullshit about those rankings. Like. Are you going to actually have a ratings discussion later? Or we have yes, to all right, right we'll now? deal with it later. We'll deal with it Okay. It's fine. Uh, Darby has some new style face paint tonight. I dig it. I think it's a better look. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason, Jason's microphone just phased out from the background, and all of a sudden just a tit popped up. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> hey, Mr. ADD, pay attention. I'm paying attention. <laughs> I had a dollar for every time a tit popped out. JR brings up the fact that these two have been battling on the indies for the better part of a decade. You probably should have said that last week when you announced the match. We start off with some chain, and Darby backs Janela into the corner, but gives him a clean break. Janela does the Scott Hall, ooh, I'm scared. 
And then they chain again, and this time Janela backs Darby into the corner. Yes. Was it just me, or did Joey Janela's nose look like he snorted a Tony Montana amount of cocaine before he came <laughs> out there? Like, just the tip was, like, bright red. It was... So it wasn't just the Oogie Boogie fingers that made him like Scott Hall. Apparently not. But it, it just looked like he did snapping lines in the back. It was. He might have. I mean, this is Janela we're talking about. What's that? Hey, do your thing. Fucking Tony Khan lets you do whatever the fuck you want, I guess. Right. Oh, Tony Khan lets the boys do whatever they want. <laughs> That's pretty clear. Joey Janelle's literally got cocaine, like, dripping out of his nose. It's like, all right, I'm here. I'm here to wrestle tonight. I want to give a push to little shouty. Okay, cool. Sorry, guys. Uh, let's see here. Ah, yes, so even though Darby gave Janela the clean break, Janela does not return the favor instead. He back elbows uh, Darby in the jaw. This apparently wakes up Darby, and we pick up the pace. They fight to the apron where Darby attempts a vertical suplex. But Janela reverses and drops Darby with a front-release suplex face-first on the apron. Did he look like he ate it right there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Janela follows up with a shitty-looking elbow suicida? Hey, that's what Shivani called it. And then drives Darby into the barricade. He gets Darby in the ring, and this gets a two. Janela works over Darby and whips him around, sternum first into the turnbuckle. Brett gave it a four out of ten. That gets another two count. Janela hits a top rope double axe handle, because the only thing Joey Janela wants in life is to morph into Randy Savage. And to get Penelope Ford back. <laughs> That's true. Speaking of which, Janela goes back up top looking for the top rope elbow drop, but Darby yanks Janela down, down arm first onto the top rope. Janela sells on the apron, and Darby tries to go after him, but Janela knees him in the face as Darby tries to fight back with a shotgun drop kick. The announcers kindly inform us that Team Taz will be interfering in this match any minute now. What the f- I like that move that move on the apron. Mm-hmm. Nobody could tell what the fuck Janela did. Darby just started selling his face to the point where Excalibur was like, uh, he slingshotted the ropes into his eyes or something. Like, when the commentary has no idea what the fuck just happened, not a good look. No, but the camera angle is fucked up. You really couldn't see what Janela did. So that's why I just said knee to the face. So, And they're supposedly looking at the monitors that we're looking at. So, yeah. Uh, Janela sells on the apron. It's just like it's just like Jr. always says about the referees: you can't call what you can't see. That's true. So he's giving they're, himself they're, the out they're there. Just fans. <laughs> uh, Janela sells on the apron, and Darby tries to go after him, but Janela knees him in the face. As Darby tries to fight back with a shotgun drop kick, the announcers kindly inform us that. Oh yeah, I already read that part. God damn it. <laughs> Darby continues to work on Janela's arm using the top rope, and when Janela spills to the outside, Darby immediately follows up with a shoulder block suicida. Adam, you signed off on a show centered around Sal Reedon? Nope. <laughs> uh, I don't know who got the worst of the shoulder block, but it was it was rough because Darby hit the rail fucking head first. 
Um, gee, I hope that no fucking Team Taz members show up on the apron and start attacking Darby while both guys are down and the match gets tossed out. Gee, I hope that doesn't happen. Because, you know, Team Taz promised they would be here. That stuff only happens in WWE. <laughs> Darby tosses Janela back in and gets a two count. Darby applies a Fujiwara armbar, but Janela gets to the bottom rope. Darby releases the hold and then kicks the bottom rope into Janela's teeth. That was nice. Darby goes for a second rope coffin drop, but Janela catches him with a German suplex. And then a thrust kick. Okay. I thought Adam was exaggerating. Apparently not. Anybody who's not the Young Bucks throws a super kick, and they're not calling it a super kick anymore. That's not possible. That's only the type of thing Vince McMahon would do. <laughs> yeah. I only noticed it a couple of weeks ago. But once but you notice it. Once you said it, I was like, no way. There's no way that's fucking true. Uh, it is. At least call it a crescent kick. Right? <laughs> You're going to go way back. Or a savat kick. Yeah, too. Uh, Darby goes back to the arm, but Janela lays him out with a clothesline. Janela tries to follow up, but gets caught with a stun dog millionaire for another near fall. After some quick pinfall attempts, Janela hits Darby with a pile driver, but Darby kicks out of that. Janela gets Darby... What's a nice pile driver? It was decent. It wasn't a jumping. It was almost like the Jerry Lawler pile drivers. Where he just, like, falls back. Janela gets Darby to the top rope for a superplex attempt, but Darby goes to Janela's bad arm again. He counters with an avalanche code red, and Janela just barely manages to kick out. Darby hits a hammerlock STO and then follows that with the coffin drop for the win. Your winner, Darby Allen, retaining the TNT title. What'd you guys think? Um, so, first off, right off the bat, as Darby makes his way out, I noticed that uh, Darby's lower third being red as champion made sense when the strap of the belt was red. Not <laughs> so much anymore. So you might want to consider changing that. Um, I mentioned about Janela's nose. Uh, if I'm Tony Khan, I'm going to sit back and tell Darby Allen to calm the fuck down with these bumps because yeah. I got a little bit of money invested in him. Yeah. And I wrote that before what would happen later, which we'll talk about. Um <laughs> Darby gets, uh, he got just absolute insane velocity on that low pay out to the floor. I didn't even mention it where he almost says, mm -hmm. uh, him and the only other one who I've seen do it like that is Santos Escobar in NXT. The two of them, they just absolutely launch themselves with no regard for what happens through that rope when they do that stuff. Um, the avalanche code red, uh, is a great way to cripple someone. Mm. Um, also, also Janela kicks out of that. But then kick kick out of a guy jumping backwards onto him. Right. Because <laughs> that made sense. Adam, your thoughts on the match? Um, yeah, uh, Jason hit uh, a couple of my points. The ending was weird. Uh, like you said, he does the, the hammerlock slam, and then Janela just lays there with his arm underneath him for a very awkward amount of time until the coffin drop. Um. Oh yeah, it was it was definitely it was a good opener. I'd say you know, fast paced, hard hitting. Um, but yeah, Darby's gonna cripple himself at some point. Okay. So good. So good opener. But here's my problem, and AEW does this a lot. 
if you take a guy with a nine and thirteen career singles record and have him go fifty fifty with the champion, that's not and then lose. That's not really elevating the nine and thirteen guy. That's bringing down the champion yeah. to me. Like the champion should feel special and dominant. Like that's why he's the champion. Uh, if he starts going fifty fifty with a Joey Janela, and in Cody's case, you know guys who aren't even signed to the company, that sort of makes you look like a weak champion to me. But that's maybe how I came up in wrestling. I don't know. It's weird because Cody didn't look weak when he did that. Because the focus was on him. Do you know what I mean? Like, he still came out as, it's Cody Rhodes, he's so jacked, and he's this, and he's that. Like, regardless of him going 50-50 with, like, uh, like the guy who looked like the Ultimate Warrior, kind of, but was really skinny. Warhorse. Warhorse. Yes. Um, I will say this for Cody. Cody tends to have a way of making his opponents look better than they are, and seem better than they are. Um particularly, and, and this is a nice little thing, nice little touch, and you guys have sort of mocked it before, but it is, to me, a nice little touch that Cody does in those situations is he'll do the bit where he'll do the push-ups and get distracted and Arn has to yell at him. But that is a way of sort of making it understandable that a guy who's not necessarily on his level gets some offense. It's not that that guy is on Cody's level. It's that Cody's not taking that guy seriously. You didn't get any of that here. It was just Darby and Janela are equals. And they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Well, I I hear that. To me, Darby's always been portrayed as the underdog fighting from underneath. Like he gets the shit kicked out of him nine, nine times out of ten by his own accord. But it, it, he's never gonna be like a dom. Like if if Pac had this belt, then I could hear what you're saying. Okay, so just to clarify, right? Darby Allen is the second-ranked champion in the company, right? Uh, yeah, I guess, but like you said, it's also kind of like a TV title. Okay, but but he is the secondary champion in yeah. the company, correct? Yeah. Okay. No, it's not. The, it's not a secondary right. title. The primary champion in the company beat Joey Janela in 13 seconds. <laughs> Who did Kenny fight a couple weeks ago? That. It's kind of like a similar situation where the dude record-wise was not on his level, and Kenny almost lost to him. Probably Phoenix. Probably Phoenix is what I'm thinking of. Well, Phoenix is one of the best performers in the world. True. But, like, just from an American audience, they don't know that. And Phoenix didn't get the shot because of his record. He got the shot because he he was unable to compete in the Eliminator tournament. That's true. Um, I don't know. I didn't mind this match. It was... The right person won. I'm glad there wasn't... Actually, I'm glad, but I'm annoyed that that whole Team Taz thing. Because I'm like, why even fucking mention it last week? And where the fuck was Team Taz? That's what I mean. Oh, they would be doing dumb shit later. But what I'm saying is, like, you have this segment last week where they're like, we're going to come out there during your TNT title match. They're they're still not allowed in the building. They they extended their ban. They didn't say that, though, in commentary. Instead, you had commentary going, oh, I wonder when Team Taz is going to show up. That's just that's that is an example of this bad continuity. Yes. It's not the first example of creative and commentary being on completely different pages in this <laughs> company, though. That's true. I just like to point it out when it happens. Uh, we go back to the it's desk. Not, it's not the only example tonight. But we'll get back. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, we go back to the desk where JR wants to talk about Kenta. He's very excited to talk about Kenta. Uh, except for Excalibur does all the talking. And then Excalibur says, The forbidden door has been opened! And all I could think about was like Mortal Kombat, like the second one. I forget what it was. Oh, Annihilation. That's all I could think about. Uh, we run through the card, and you'll never believe this. Tonight, Tony talks to Sting! Oh, boy. I have some comments about that when we get there. Also, a phrase I never they, thought I would say, Ryan Nemeth gets another match on Dynamite tonight. They run down the card. They start with the main event. They mention two more matches. They mention the main event. They go to the Moxley promo. They mention the main event. <laughs> Like, we get it. Well, as opposed to... Uh, okay, and how many times this week would you say that AEW mentioned the main event on social media or on TNT commercials or whatever? They did it a lot, right? Yeah, but three times in, like, th- six minutes. Right. No, no, no. no I get Relax. it. Relax. But on the other side... There was, more, there was more of that than there are jump cuts in a Kevin Dunn-directed wrestling match. <laughs> But on the other side of it, though, and and I've heard you guys talk about this on the NXT rundown, I'd rather somebody over-promote than under-promote, because mm-hmm. no, that's no. what you should be doing. You should be, no, no. if you are excited about something or if you want to promote something, it should be, like, as much One, as you can do it. 100% to an extent. There's a difference between promoting, hey, this match is coming up later tonight, this match is coming up next week, versus... This match is coming up later tonight. And if you weren't here 15 seconds ago, this match is coming up later tonight. <laughs> okay, that's Then fair. it's just annoying. That's fair. Holden going to the place that my my brain went to when you said unlocking the forbidden door. Uh, <laughs> it's Valentine's Day, so I'm hoping it'll be the one day of the year when my wife unlocks the forbidden door. <laughs> uh, we go to a pre-tape from John Moxley. That's a K-Jewelers commercial, right? Yep, it's got to be. <laughs> We go to a pre-tape from Moxley, who explains... the family guy where it just shows the, the shadow just going down? The one day a year, you want to get your loved one to open the forbidden door. Yeah, it's a Hallmark card. More than every kiss begins with K. Just saying. <laughs> because anal begins with A. There you go. Sorry, talk about Moxley. I'm sorry, I have to write that one down. <laughs> Sal's, Sal's writing his Valentine's card. <laughs> to Warlow? <laughs> uh, Moxley, yes. Moxley explains... Uh, oh, that Moxley. That makes more sense. Moxley explains that Kent has been calling him out for months. Well, maybe don't hold the IWGP US title hostage then. Just say it. Which he displayed for the first time ever. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that later. I've seen the Mega Triple H Championship more than I've seen fucking U.S. title. Very weird, though, because he just sort of nonchalantly whips it onto his shoulder and, like, okay, it's there, and then pulls it down, (laughs) and then randomly does it again later for no reason. (laughs) It's either on your shoulder or it's not, dude. Um, So I have a question for you guys. And, Jason, maybe you can help us with this. He tells us on February 26th he will defend this title against Kenta. Mm -hmm. He neglects to tell us where or how we can see this match. 
<laughs> it's it's a New Japan show. Is it a pay-per-view? Probably a New Japan pay-per-view. It sounds like it's in the United States. You'd have to get New Japan World. Okay. So, like, Wrestle Kingdom is something I could just order on pay-per-view, but not, like, their other pay-per-view. Right? Yeah, not like... Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll find it on res- Watch Wrestling. It's fine. <laughs> I just knew that it wasn't a Dynamite because February 26th is a Friday. Well, I mean, if you're going to give us the date, then give us... Um, whatever. doesn't matter to me. It's not my fucking... Yeah, you never know when AEW is going to do pay-per-views. Though. Sometimes it's Saturday. Sometimes it's Sunday. <laughs> sure. uh, let's see here. He hypes the main event for Dynamite. He says Kenny and Kenta have a common interest, which is to take him out. He tells him good luck with that and says tonight's just for fun. So if tonight's just for fun... What's the point? Start it out there. Who exactly is Kenny feuding with at the moment? Everyone. The box. And you've got <laughs> no clear path for your heavyweight championship heading into this pay-per-view, honestly. Um, there may be one path that they're slowly kind of going with. Can't the path of rage doesn't work for everything, Sal? <laughs> uh, no, we'll get. We'll talk about when we talk about the main event. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to another pre-tape where Sammy Guevara goes into the Inner Circle Lounge, which used to be the EVP Lounge, until Matt Hardy convinced the Bucks to evict themselves. Whatever. Sammy needs to talk to MJF alone. Everyone else leaves, and Sammy says he knows MJF is just trying to take over the Inner Circle. MJF says he thinks Sammy's trying to take over the Inner Circle. And Sammy sarcastically says, yep, you figured it out. I'm trying to take over the inner circle. I hate Chris Jericho. Uh, MJF was recording him the whole time and can't wait to play that part for Jericho. Sammy does what anyone would have done, which is snatches MJF's phone and chuck it against the wall. Uh, Max gets mad and Sammy punches him in the gut and leaves. Any thoughts on our backstage segment? This is so fucking stupid. (laughs) The the espionage attempt by MJF equaled only by Zach Morris on Saved by the Bell. Right. Just so very obviously taking his phone out of his pocket right. and putting it on the table. Right. But there's also probably a part of that where in terms of subtlety is that they want he wanted Sammy to react like that. He wanted Sammy to hit him if that was his plan for later. That is true. Right? So that was more about getting Sammy to react than it was about actually getting the recording. Because even if he gets that recording, AEW is also a camera guy. Yeah. And that's the thing. AEW, for their part, unlike WWE, has made it very clear, like, if there's a camera there, we're not going to pretend there's not a camera there. Mm-hmm. So if they put it to the, there... To the point that Sammy said, cameraman, you stay. Yeah. yeah. So there, to me, this was more about... MJF goading Sammy into doing what he did than yeah. the actual recording attempt. I know. I 100% agree with you. This was never about the recording attempt. This was, I'm going to get Sammy to flip out, and I'll get what I need from that. Which is fine. It works for MJF's character perfectly. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm slightly intrigued. Although... Although MJF sold that punch more than uh, Kevin Owens sold Roman Reigns running him over with a golf cart. The right. <laughs> that was a little oh, bit over there, the top Sorry. comical that I shouldn't. And I get why he did it, but it was kind of like, like, Jason, we watch basketball. When somebody flops in the NBA, that's kind of like what this felt like. Yeah, I can't say anything negative about floppers in the NBA because Marcus Smart's on my team. Oh. So, uh... <laughs> It's not the worst one. He's not the worst one. 
Uh, he's right up there. Yeah, he's, he's one of the worst. Um, yeah, it's that is what it was. Let's go to match number two, Adam. Yeah, you're up. We come back for Cody Rhodes. He's teaming with Lee Johnson against a team already in the ring. Arn Anderson's kid is at ringside, who's apparently training to become a wrestler. Is it me, or did Tony just blatantly call the kid ugly? Oh, he, he said he looked like a cross between Arn and Oli. So Arn and Oli fucked. Yeah. Well, that's actually when the kid was shown on camera. the first thing I thought was, did Arn and Oli have a baby? Yeah. Uh, Cody and Johnson are teaming up against Peter Avalon and... Wait, we're, we're going to end up with this kid versus Hook at some point, aren't we? Yeah. Um, wait, so someone else's son is now getting camera time? Oh, this, it, it, it gets far worse than that. We'll talk later. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I know. Oh, there was something that happened later that was just like, wait, hold the fuck on. Uh, actually, this whole episode, when you think about it, go ahead. Go ahead. So NW all nepotism wrestling. <laughs> Uh, Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson against Peter Avalon and Cesar. At which point I wrote, wait, really? Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, Avalon starts with Cody. It lasts about a minute before Cody tags out. Uh, Benoni gets a blind tag, clotheslines Johnson from behind. He applies a wrist lock and tags out. Avalon does nothing and tags back out. Johnson breaks free, tags Cody. Cody comes in hot, which is weird because they hadn't really built any suspense to this point, but Benoni hits a follow-away, pump handle slam, and we go to box. Well, half box. See, it's not just the women's matches, it's also pointless matches with three job guys. Was it that spot right there that you mentioned that he hurt, that he uh, tore something in his shoulder? I, I believe don't know so. Where. I don't know where. I mean, I don't, we haven't mentioned it to this point, but the story is out there that uh, Cody Rhodes... Has a slightly torn rotator cuff. Yeah, I have it in the news. But we can't the only reason I bring it up is because that after that spot is where where this match got like weird for me, like where I was like, this which is yeah. wrong. Which is generally a strange way to describe it because you're not usually slightly pregnant. A torn <laughs> rotator cuff is usually a torn rotator cuff. It's, there's not typically degrees of it. A right. minor rotator cuff tear. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Arn Anderson mentioned it during the coach's corner, but they posted on Twitter after after Dynamite, uh, revealing that it didn't that uh, the AEW uh, medical team noted so, that Cody Rhodes suffered a slight tear of his left rotator cuff during his match on Dynamite. His current status is TBD, um, but then there was an update that he's not expected to miss any time. So, so this is one of two things: it's a way out of the match with Shaq. <laughs> Or it's an excuse for putting Shaq over in the match. I don't think it's a way out of the match for Shaq. I think... Um, I, I will never so, believe Shaq is showing up for this event until he's actually in the no, match. No, and, and I'll <laughs> yeah. give you that. I 100% agree with you on that. But if Cody legit... I say as Shaq is on the TV in the background. Nice. <laughs> if, if Cody legitimately tore something in his shoulder. I can see them not wanting to give up their payday with Shaq, and even if he did have something torn, he's just going to go in there just to get that fucking match on the card. You know what I mean? Alright, so here's here's what I'm going to tell you, Sal. If you're an elite wrestler, like mm. Cody Rhodes is, right. top, top draw in your company, top of the card guy, Yeah. 
and you have a quote-unquote slightly torn rotator cuff, mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is get into the ring with a big, strong guy who doesn't know how to wrestle. <laughs> because and... that's how a slightly torn rotator cuff goes to a, holy shit, where's my rotator cuff? Yes. As a top guy, that's true. But would you put it past AEW to send somebody out there who shouldn't medically be cleared? Oh, no. That's but, what I mean. That's more where I'm going with it. Not, I'm not, like, giving Cody, like, courage credit or nothing like that. Like, No, no, no. But Cody's much more protective of himself and his future than he is of anyone else in the company. All right. That's fair. That's fair. They're not sticking. They're not following through with Brandy being in the match. Same. Well, I mean, dude, if Sheeta was pregnant, they'd be like, "Listen, it's a half handicap match. Go ahead." <laughs> we fucking promoted it. You gotta get out there. See? <sighs> Sorry, there's, it... no, there's no spots where anybody pushes you down the stairs. You should be fine. When we come back, a replay of Cody hurting himself on the follow-up pump handle. He rack attacks Avalon and tags out. Uh, Johnson comes in hot, so we've literally had two hot tags in the last six minutes from the same team. Johnson with a fisherman's neckbreaker, but Cesar breaks up the pin. Cody comes in to fight Cesar and gets dumped. Cesar takes out Johnson, then Cody pulls him from the ring. Johnson avoids the Martinis and wins the 24-7 championship. Your thoughts on this stupid tag match? <clears throat> Let's assume Cody's injury was work. This was awful and pointless. I don't care about Lee Johnson. I don't give a fuck about who they fought. Just like, yeah. Really? Peter fucking Avalon and Cesar Bernani. And for what? I'll tell you for what, this is Johnson's first win, so Dustin and QT show up on stage to soak up some TV time. Uh, even Tony gets on in on the act. He asks Lee how it feels, and Lee cuts a shitty promo. He also completely ignores QT Marshall, who looks grumpy about it, so that's going to be a fucking thing. Yes, right. it is. That's going to be an angle. So during entrances, they made it a point to say Cody has a shirt celebrating Black History Month. Ah, uh, um, Yes. I feel like you could celebrate Black History Month better by pushing your black talent, but that's just me. Um, hey, Lee Johnson got his first win. Right. Um, during the break, like Sal mentioned, they, they make a point that Cody's shoulder is hurt. Back live, and he catches Peter Avalon midair off the top rope. <laughs> which is hard to do if your shoulder is hurt and your rotator cuff is slightly torn. Um, but whatever. Uh Johnson got the win, and at that point, the commentators, Johnson and everybody else around, remind me that the boyhood dream has finally come true. Um, (laughs) Johnson said, during the promo, Johnson says he was 0-29. So now Avalon's lost to the two biggest losers in the company, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, To this point, in this episode of Dynamite, I thought I had turned on dark by mistake because I got Joey Janela, I got Lee Johnson, I got Cesar Bononi, and I got Peter Avalon. Where the fuck was all the talent on this episode? Sorry, you're going to get Ryan Nemeth in a second. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> or not in a second. I, but... I, I, got, I got no Britt Baker. <laughs> I got no Bucks. I got 
what the hell? This this was dark. Dude, Team Taz wasn't even there. Team Taz was promoted to be there, and they weren't even there. So, Yeah, that didn't upset me that much. <laughs> no, I know, but at least they're, like, actual dynamite wrestlers that we tend to see week to week. As opposed to Cesar mm. Bernoni. Really? I mean, that fucking guy... Yeah, so this whole this whole tag match was just to get Lee Johnson to win so that he can feud with QT Marshall. Which, by the way, is why it was Cesar Bononi and Peter Avalon, because they didn't want to actually have him beat anyone of consequence. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, thanks for jobbing for us during the pandemic. Here's a win on TV. Yay. Earlier today, Dasha was somewhere with the Young Bucks. She asked them about what happened last week, and the Good Brothers conveniently show up. Matt points out the obvious, that they were going to pick them if they won, and now suddenly there's a match next week with Xbox for the tag titles. Probably don't do this exact bit on BTE if you're going to do it live on Dynamite, too. <laughs> sort of sounded stupid for those who watch both shows. That's what um, That was also, my note. So what, what, we redid the BTE segment because we weren't happy with the way it came off on Monday? Didn't uh, Dasha complain that she left WWE partially because she didn't want to be just another mic stand? Want it? I swear to God, I don't know. I, I don't remember <laughs> what Dasha said. You remember, you remember when she was a co-host on Dark? Yes! When Dark had the control Shivani. center? Yeah. You think that's the same green screen that the Good Brothers are using? Probably. Probably. One Dasha had for the control center? She doesn't even get speaking Spanglish anymore. They basically killed that off of BTE. I'm not so. mad about that. <laughs> She's all she is. Of to, to be fair, she is also one of the Spanish commentators. Is she? I don't watch in Spanish, so I don't know. I only know that because when they showed Orange Cassidy two weeks ago, he was in front. Of, you could see the Spanish commentary behind her, and it was Alex uh, behind him, and it was Alex Abrantes and Dasha Gonzalez. Is there a Guerrero in there? Surprisingly, thankfully, no. Thank, thankfully, no. There's usually a Guerrero in Spanish commentary. That's why I was... No, Shaw quit wrestling, and Vicky don't want to talk that long. Wait, wait, was that the table that Kenta jumped on later? Probably. No, that was the timekeeper's table. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, when we come back, we go to Dasha again, this time with Hangman Adam Page. Wait, 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 Adam wait, says, wait, you missed something. As soon as we finish that segment with the Young Bucks and... Um, they announced they're facing Santana and Ortiz. When we come back to Daly's place, Shivani says, the Bucks want to challenge Santana and Ortiz for the World Tag Championships. Wait a minute. The Bucks want to challenge Santana and Ortiz? The champions are challenging people. That happens. My bigger problem is that last week, all three Inner Circle teams ended up in the Battle Royal. Mm-hmm. And now, two of the three will get a title shot. What the fuck was the point of that triple threat tag match a few weeks ago? Because it seems like all the benefits have gone to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as much as I like the idea of Santana and Ortiz getting a tag title shot, they're not going to lose the belts before they fight Jericho and MJF right. at the pay-per-view, so yeah. I already know it's they're not winning. fodder. Yeah. They're fodder, exactly. This isn't like a story where it had a lot of build and this is like a you know, a marquee match that everyone wants to see. No, it's it's what can we do to kill T V time from now till then? Yeah. 
<sighs> Paige says there's no chance of a tag team with Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy conveniently appears and invites Paige out to get shit-faced drunk on him. Yes. Uh, he says he he says he has to go get his phone, which is in his pocket, but this is just to get him to an awkward interaction with the Dark Order. Uh, Paige, that is, not, not Matt. To the ring we go. I know how you guys like to make up tag team names for singles guys. Yeah. <laughs> I present you Hang Hard. Not bad. Not bad. I don't remember what I called them. I've I've already forgotten what I called them last week. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... I don't like what they're doing with Hangman, but I'll talk about it later. Oh, but we uh, we didn't mention the whole Dark Order part here. Hangman party? He he briefly briefly mentioned it. He said the Dark Order and... um, Hangman have an awkward interaction. It was kind of funny because it was kind of like oh, it, was, it was great because Silver's like, so I, I guess I'll see you on the flip. Oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I say that? Like, <laughs> it was the great. classic cliche of like if you run into your ex and it's awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Anna just looks pissed as Hangman walks yes. by. Yes, like, yeah, yes. I told she you did. to stay away from these guys. Mm-hmm. That was good. I did like that. Although I, I still maintain if they really wanted to recruit Hangman to the Dark Order, Anna was the way to do it. Yep, I agree. Um, but I it, and it was funny because the Dark Order makes it funny. But I wrote everyone trying to court Hangman is like a bad episode of The Bachelor. Why <laughs> is this what we're doing with Hangman Page? This guy should be main event. Hundred percent. And everything that he's been given in this company since losing to Jericho has been comedy-based. And he is better than that. Now, he's good at it, and he can do it, and that's that's great. But he's gone from when they first launched this company, he was the guy that they put in that spot and said, this is the next big major star of professional wrestling, and they've done nothing to build him to that level. He seems more more mid card than he did when he started, for sure. What I don't understand is every time I think that they're ready to start like turning him in the right direction, um, we it just gets worse. Like when he was done with Kenny and they broke up, and then they fought in the eliminated tournament in the finals. Right after that, I thought. Okay, you know, Hangman comes back, he has the story of redemption, and like, here we go, he just goes on a tear and starts beating everybody. No, we didn't get that. We got the Dark Order stuff. Okay, comedy, funny, this, that. Then we finished it. We were done with the Dark Order stuff. He said, I don't want to be part of a group. Okay, we're done here. Let's move on. Let's get Hangman into something that matters. And now he's even further down the card. Yeah, and... and to, to speak to that even a little bit with Matt Hardy, uh, Matt Hardy left Impact because they wanted control over the broken universe and he didn't want to give it up. Yep. So he went to WWE where they didn't do the they didn't do the broken universe for a long time, and then they did it and it didn't get over. And Hardy blamed Vince McMahon and never really forgave him and left the company to go to AEW because he was going to have full creative control to do the broken universe the way he wanted. And then people went, no, 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 it, it, it's not Vince, it's not Impact, it's that this sucks. 
And now even AEW is like, no, dude, we're not letting you do it because people don't fucking like it. <laughs> it was it was entertaining and clever for five minutes five years ago. Mm-hmm. Then he broke his fucking head on pay-per-view. Right. No, dude, even before that, the Broken Universe wasn't... Like, oh. I will I will agree with Jason. When it first started, when it very, very first started in TNA. Final Deletion. Final Deletion was, was great. Um, the second one was not bad. By the, the second time one you got to the bad. third one in Impact, they had already started to jump the shark. Yeah. Then and Ricky it's... Morton is showing up, and it's just like too much. Yeah, and then, you know, because it was still red hot, and they were, you know, they were on their expedition for tag team goals. So they were going everywhere. They were going to ROH. Literally, they sh- they were in ROH the night before they showed up at WrestleMania. So, like, yeah, there was a buzz. I get that, right? And then uh, they, Matt Hardy specifically did a couple things with Bray Wyatt I didn't mind as far as the Broken Universe stuff. And then we came to AEW, and the first thing we do in AEW is teleport around an empty arena. <laughs> and sell it as real. Yeah. No, no, that was holograms projecting him. Yeah. Um. And now, what is he doing? He's right back to where he was in TNA before Broken Matt. It's Big Money Matt time, and he's a fucking important piece of shit. On the plus side, he detected something that wasn't working, and decided to stop doing it. And you haven't seen Vanguard one since then, but Jericho's still carrying around the baseball bat. So. Fair. More on Jericho later. Uh, match number three. Hey, don't you worry about Floyd. Match number three, the Bastard Pack with Ray Phoenix versus Dolph Ziggler, Zero Sugar. <sighs> I can't believe this guy's on Dynamite again. But anyway, Pack He's got. He had to have been friends with Cody in developmental, right? That's the reason. Is he even old enough to be friends with Cody in developmental? I think so. He was in developmental for a long time. Okay. I don't know. I don't know shit about Dolph Ziggler's brother, but apparently he has a third brother who's a fucking homicidal maniac. <laughs> Thank you, Troy. Appreciate you telling me the story. Uh, okay. He's got another brother who used to do adult films. You know that, right? No, shut up. <laughs> no, he does. That's how sort many, of the. How many Nemeths are there? That's right. sort of the knock of the Hollywood hunk thing. How many Nemets are there? I don't know. I just made that last one up. So. I figured. <laughs> All right. We begin. Pack kicks Ryan in the stomach, and Ryan's dead. That's it. That was easy. Pack... Better than Sammy's. <laughs> Pack follows up with a snap suplex, a running back elbow, and a top rope shotgun dropkick. Pac grabs the blonde hair of young Ryan and tells him he's a blithering idiot for accepting a match with him. Pac continues to punish Nemeth, but Nemeth gets one hope spot with Dolph's DDT that I can't stand when Dolph does it. So I definitely don't like it here. Pac rolls to the outside and Nemeth attempts to go out after him, but gets tossed into the barricade back in the ring and Pac has literally kicked the life out of Nemeth. So much so that Nemeth is out cold. Pack drags Nemeth's lifeless body over to the corner. He hits the black arrow. And they used a really nice bird's eye view for the camera shot on that black arrow. Pack applies the brutalizer, and Nemeth frantically taps out. Your thoughts on the match, gentlemen? Well, that happened. 
for what it was, it was fine, and that Pac was it was a squash, and that's what it should have been. Yeah. Um, he didn't go 50-50 with the jobber this time, which is good. That's an improvement. We're already we're already getting better from the opening match. Um, the thing that I took note of was that at the end, Shivani says that uh, Pack and Phoenix have their sights set on the Good Brothers, and I'm like, wait, what? I, I'm pretty sure that we're doing a program with them and the, the um, Silly String guys. Because the Good Brothers took out... Um... Penta. Again, how many fucking programs are you doing at once? It's an invasion. I don't know. Um, well, I would assume the shit with Private Party ends at the pay-per-view in a week Wait until now, the Bullet so. Club gets here. Kenta's part of the Bullet Club. I meant Tom and all them. Oh, yeah. God help us. Um, <laughs> although it could be kind of interesting. Yes, no, I, this is what I put in my notes. At least this match was exactly what it needed to be. He kicked the fucking shit out of Ryan Nemeth to the point where Ryan Nemeth just stopped moving. <laughs> so I was like, to anybody to do that for in a, pa- in a pack match, that's perfect. Black Arrow, Brutalizer, we're done. That was fine. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. I could do without Ryan Nemeth, but I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. You write Dolph Ziggler zero, I wrote wish.com Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> He's a little bit more than Wish.com. I mean, he is his bloodline. <laughs> He's like Dolph Jr. We, we have Dolph Ziggler at home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we go to highlights of last week's wedding. Miro is with Kip and Penelope. He talks over the video recap and blames Orange Cassidy. Jason, Jason I... Go ahead. I was going to ask Jason what he thought about the wedding. Oh. Um, I'm really glad that AEW doesn't do your classic wrestling tropes. That's <laughs> um, that was every wrestling wedding ever. Now I like that there were some nods to like the ridiculousness of it. Like you guys talked about um, Miro saying, "No, no, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that part." part. <laughs> um, that was that was clever, and I like that he like beat up the box, expecting there to be a person in there. Yeah. But at the end of the day. Uh, you had the swerve, you had the guy in the cake, you had the bride gets the cake in the face, and, you know, it's, it was fine, and I have no problem with it, because it made sense, and it was the story they were telling. Of course, I don't really know why Charles was so upset, because the stipulation was after the wedding was done, he was free anyway, right? So he was five minutes from being out of this with no problems, but whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I, this, and this is sort of where I have a, a little bit of an issue with the, I guess, stands of AEW. It's like, this is fine. If you want to tell me you prefer this talent roster, and, and I will give you, I'll grant you, I, as, as a fan, love the fact that they don't cop out with disqualifications and countouts very often. I, that's a huge plus for me as a viewer. Um, but then... Don't also try to tell me that they're reinventing the wheel. They're just doing the same classic wrestling tropes that have been done in every company ever. They might be doing them better than other companies have done them, but that's all they're doing. Oh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I mean, Tony Khan pretty much just goes through the history of WCW and cherry picks what storyline he wants to use from that. You know what I mean? Cody as a wrestler was brought up in WWE. He never wrestled on the Indies prior to. So everything he knew and learned about wrestling was the WWE way of doing it. 
Tony Khan as a fan followed WWE first. You know, so well, even even guys, to that effect, both of them, you know, Cody especially, everything he grew up with even before he got into wrestling was from his father. So this is all stuff yeah. we've seen before. <laughs> Right, exactly. So, and it's fine. It's not. It's not a knock on it. It's just don't try to. What's that old saying? Don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. Don't tell me they're yeah. breaking new ground when they're doing the same stuff. Yeah, this is not innovative. This is. This is exactly what we've always seen. Right. Um, to, to your point, I, I meant to mention this earlier and I forgot. Um, Co- I, I, it was an interview somewhere. I didn't write it down, but Cody said that the the. The basis for this Lee Johnson QT Marshall thing is Zabisco, uh, oh, not San Martino. Um, was it San Martino? You're, you're talking about when Bruno San Martino, possibly the greatest wrestler of his time, brought up Larry Zabisco as his protege and then I, his I protege mean, turned on him? Because yeah. realistically, San Martino Zabisco is the only student versus teacher angle that's ever happened in professional wrestling up till now, right? Yeah. <laughs> Never done that angle before uh, since, since and, Zabisco. And, and, and QT Marshall is obviously Bruno San Martino. I, I, I know Bruno San Martino. I have watched Bruno San Martino. QT Marshall is no Bruno San Martino. <laughs> yeah. Wait, is that a shoot? Like you've watched like Bruno San Martino matches and stuff? Never seen that videos of Bruno San Martino's matches. I have. I just didn't know you had. Well, like for example, I know that Adam hadn't, because Adam doesn't give a fuck to go back and watch Bruno San Martino matches. Um, do you? No. You're so mean to me. I've watched David San Martino matches. Too. I did too, but not not like that's a mistake. <laughs> No, I've gone back and watched Bruno. Bruno was over as fuck. Like, you watch Bruno in Madison Square Garden, it was ridiculous. Probably more over than the Hulk Hogan was. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't tell me that that's a reflection of this story with QT. Like, dude, the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I read that and I rolled my eyes. <laughs> All right. Um. No, I wanted to mention this about Miro, especially Jason, with you on the show. So it is documented on this network that I have argued with you a little bit about Miro since he left WWE. Uh, a little, little bit, bit might be underselling it for what it's worth. Um, but now that they're starting a program with Miro and Orange Cassidy, yeah, it's really hard for me to stand those or stick to those points. So uh, you were right. And Miro. Sorry, I'm just marking this down. If Miro, look, if if Miro's happy, if he if he hated Vince that much, if he hated the backstage and locker room, and this is better for him, sure. But like, he's gonna fight Orange Cassidy. He's gonna have a feud with Orange Cassidy, one of the biggest comedy wrestlers going today. And somehow Miro's still gonna maintain that he's a monster and he's, you know, he's dominant. And yeah, I don't see that. I see him being made to look like a fucking idiot. At least Sean Spears has advanced his career. That's true. That's true. That's a fact. He's not even on dynam- on, on Dark anymore. It's because he quit, least, remember? Yeah, he quit. Yeah. Wouldn't you? I mean, would you rather wrestle on Dark or spend your days balls deep in, his, in Peyton Royce? I mean... <laughs> 
One thing I did like about the um, because and Jason, you mentioned this before with them like kind of calling out the stupid wedding tropes. I did like the fact that after the video and Mira was all pissed, Cassidy and Chucky T are sitting on the couch, and Cassidy of all people goes, "What did they think was going to happen?" Right. Yeah, and they're drinking the champagne. Yeah, that was yeah, good. that was funny. Um, but again, comedy. So, <laughs> all right, then. But again, they spend a lot of time on this program telling us that the people that wrestle for them don't care about what's going on around them. Mm, that's true. Then, Dasha's with Jericho and two of the most talkative guys in the wrestling business today. Jake Hager and Wardlow. <laughs> Wardlow. Uh, I want to hurt. Um, I fucked up this segment so bad. Dasha Sorry. wonders where the rest of the inner circle is. Jericho tells her not to worry. And before he can even finish the sentence, Ortiz and Santana show up and say MJF is in the trainer's room. But before Jericho can actually react to that, MJF shows up. <laughs> Were they like, we got 20 seconds, you guys got to make this fucking quick? <laughs> You're right, right, no shit. So, they, we just saw him in the trainer's room, and then he followed us here. They literally didn't even give it the story a second to breathe. So, it really sucks for Dasha that Wardlow was the eye candy in the segment, huh? I mean, what's wrong with Wardlow? <laughs> huh? Nothing. Makes Stu hard. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. MJF complains, Sammy punched him in the ribs. Jericho fakes that he's upset and confused, but the music starts playing, so they have their match anyways. I'm glad that AEW would never do anything as cheesy as a music mashup for two singles guys, though. That's... I mean, right? It's a music... It's a, it may be a mashup, but we still get uh, we still get the lyrics so that everybody can sing along. Okay. Okay. So I've, I haven't been on this show since this phenomenon started, so let me just say... <laughs> one of the things in the past that I have loved about Chris Jericho during his runs in WWE was that when he was a heel particularly if the fans started to gravitate towards something he would completely fucking deny them don't if they want to fucking do sing along with them don't let them do it so he stopped doing you're going on the list intentionally like he would get them there to where they were ready for it and then he would fucking cut it off. And the whole thing where he wouldn't talk, and he talked like a... He, he would completely avoid being Jericho and would just talk in like the old Nick Bockwinkle, monotonous tones. And now, as the quote-unquote top heel, or one of the top heels in the company, he now has the fans sing along to his theme song while he stands in the ring and smiles. Because nothing screams top heel... Like everyone singing your theme song. See, now that brings up an interesting point because you brought up um, on the WWE rundown about like Nyla's whole thing this, or sorry, not Nyla, Nia Jax's whole thing this week that she did it because she was being spiteful and bitter that she had to put Lana over, right? Yeah. Jericho's been in wrestling long enough he knows how to get heat is it a case of he just doesn't fucking care anymore like he doesn't want to like he's not getting the top program so he could give a shit less if he gets heat or not he's, 
he's the heel now, and he's he's more concerned with popping the fans. Popping the fans, exa- yeah. And that's exactly what I mean, the whole shut your ass, Shivani. Like that was all designed to get a reaction and a pop from the fans, and that's the complete antithesis of what Jericho used to be as a heel. Right. What made him a great heel. Um, and I think of the only person I think of that really took as much care into their heel personas as Jericho did back in the day was Tommaso Ciampa when he right. first came back in NXT, where he was like, I'm having no music. I'm going to have this great T-shirt, but I'm going to refuse to sell it like he was. He lived the I'm a heel. And Jericho used to do that. I, I think now, he must. It must be because he doesn't fucking care anymore because he knows how to get heat. Right. Yeah, he's I mean, he's getting the fucking gigantic paycheck. Yeah, so he, just he gets to go fuck. out there and sort of half-ass it. So it's like it's like the outsiders in WCW. Well, what the yeah. fuck do they care? They get a huge fucking paycheck now. Right. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, yeah, so into the acclaimed caster raps, Bowen yells. You know how this works. Um, then we go to a Goldman box with MJF and Jericho. <laughs> they just we just <sighs> too much. Too much. Can I just say before we get on, like, I haven't loved the acclaimed to this point. That said, I think this gimmick works much better with them being sort of edgy faces, like they sort of were here. Um, similar to what Cena did when he first, like, he started trying to be a heel, and then the crowd got behind him, and they just said, "All right, fine, we're gonna have him say all this, like, raunchy and fucking battle rap stuff." as a face and it got over huge and, and I, think I think it might work with the acclaim i think it could i think it could because they're they're winning me over <laughs> and i like hey i couldn't stand them at first i thought and were... one of them is very talented in the ring and the other raps <laughs> yes anthony bowens is pretty damn fucking good I, I caster did a nice job taking the heat here though and right. that is that is there is a a, a there is a glory in, in doing that well. It's uh, for all of his faults. That was one thing Enzo Amore always did well, is he took the heat. I was just, just thinking that. I was just thinking yep. Enzo. Yep. MJF starts with Caster. They almost lock up, and MJF bails because of his ribs. Uh, MJF tags out, and they claim to go on owning Fat Grandpa. Jericho tags out Bowens with a flapjack on MJF and a two-count. Caster in for a kick to the ribs. Then they fight back to the inner circle corner so MJF can rake Caster's eyes as Aubrey tries to separate them. Uh, Jericho in to double team, and then he tags right back out for a double flapjack, and we go to box. We come back for an abdominal stretch on Caster by MJF. Classic Mike Rotundo here as MJF and Jericho lock hands. Finally, Aubrey catches them and kicks MJF's arm, which allows Caster to reverse, and we get a double tag. Big drop. Kicked by Bowens on Jericho, then some twisting rack face plant maneuver on MJF. Caster nails Jericho with the boombox, but that's not the finish as Jericho kicks out of it, too. Bowens drops Jericho, then whiffs on a tope on Max. Hager pushes Caster off the top. Judas effect, pinfall. Now Max can't stand up due to the pain. And here comes Sammy. Before we get to that, what would you guys think of the match? I think one of the worst things that happened to the acclaimed is that Tony Khan wanted to make sure he told anybody that would listen that it was his idea. He put them together. It was his baby. He created this because then I watch things like this and I look at how incredibly overbooked that finish was to try (laughs) to protect the acclaimed. And it just screams to me of like, I don't want my guys to look weak that I put together because 
you're about to put Jericho and MJF in the ring with the Bucks on a pay-per-view. And I understand you're telling the story that MJF was, was hurt or whatever, but if that's your team that's challenging for the championship in a couple weeks, they shouldn't require four other guys at ringside. And it just, it, it was too much. It was way, way, way too much. I will say the, the uh, boom box to the head was a really good false. I bit for that one. Um, but other than that, it just, the match itself was fine. I just the only thing I could get over, I couldn't get over at the end like how horribly overbooked that finish was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, no, I, should I, that have been a falsy though? Was my was my thought? Should should that have? Been oh, you the think finish? Jericho was gonna put the fucking acclaimed over? Come on, come on. I know for like a half a second maybe you thought it, but nah, man. Well, nah, you had the out. All you had to do was have MJF take the pinfall. And and you can say we've already we still got our title shot. It's fine, and blame Sammy for it, and then it creates the conflict that you're going to need after the match anyway. Yeah, you could have done that, but instead, no, they they did what you said. They over fucking booked it. Um, the only thing I I noted in this match that I enjoyed was we just talked about it. Just hang, um, not Hangman, fucking MJF. Just character heel work is so fucking great. Just like the little fucking things. The other thing, um, I forget the name of the acclaims finisher. Do you guys remember what to call it? Uh, acclaim to fame. Okay, yes. Um, so Bowen's hit his half of it, and then left the ring. And like two minutes later, Caster tried to hit his half of the finish. Like it took forever between that. There was no like smoothness to the transition between the first half of the move and then the second part. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, this match happened. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we said Sammy comes out. He reminds Jericho that he told him uh, back a few weeks ago that if MJF pulled one more thing, he was out, and he quits the inner circle to the cheers of the non-existent crowd. <clears throat> and he leaves. Tony begs Marvez to follow up on this, and we go to break. When we come back, Marvez asks the obvious question. Sammy doesn't really answer him, and he leaves Daly's place completely. And you know that he did because he went through the gate that said no re-entry. Can, I, can I point out one small thing here <laughs> that, that was fantastic? Uh, Sammy says, I quit, and he walks to the back, and he stops at the top of the ramp and then goes out the face tunnel. Yeah. Like, he stopped, like he thought about it for a second and then went out the face tunnel. Yeah. And that was just a small little thing that they did that I actually really liked. I did, too. Um, I really liked the fact that he... You know, we complain all the time with both companies about continuity. And he was like, I told you. And he even fucking dropped the date. He's like, I told you. December 9th. One more fucking thing happened. I quit. And I quit. And I was like, that's finally like some fucking continuity. And yeah, I thought it made sense. You know? Of course, now on on social media, everybody thinks Sammy's going to be a world champion. Like, people... It's okay to have a really good wrestler that's not a world champion level wrestler. Like, that's fine. Yeah, also, that's not, not where my mind went at all. Like, no, as far as the all. future of Sammy, I was like, no. wait, no? No, like... TNT title guy, that's I mean, probably fine. someday. Yeah, TNT but like... Heavyweight champion. In the caliber. immediate future, I'm I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a Sammy face turn. And... Where we go from that is probably a lot of fucking matches with MJF and Jericho. So, I so Adam, to my what I'm saying is like I don't 
from what I've seen of Sammy, and, and he could evolve his character for sure, from what I've seen of him, he's way too in love with the comedy aspect of his character to be serious enough to be a heavyweight championship guy to me, if that makes sense. I can see that. Uh, Though a better worker, it would be like putting the heavyweight title on our truth at this point. He's been so goofy, so comedy for so long that it, it would be tough. It would be a tough sell on the credibility scale. Yeah, but the difference between our truth and Sammy is about 28 years. Like, Sammy's character as it is now, I'd agree with you, but, you know, three, four years down the road, you don't know. Maybe he develops a character that could be a world's. That's why I said, unless he drastically changes his character. But as of now, was what I said. Yeah, as of the, okay, so as of the presentation now, yeah, you're looking at mid card, which is fine. He's still what twenty six. There's years nothing old? wrong. The point is like, there's nothing wrong with <clears throat> guy being a really good mid card wrestler. Like, no, that's this true. Need that fans have to like, everybody's a failure unless they're a heavyweight champion is sort of setting everyone up to fail. Well, that mm-hmm. well. You can blame the wrestling that's been put on TV for the past 20, 20 years for that. Because... I blame Meltzer because that's the type of attitude. That's has, probably like, true. Like, oh, this guy Jake Atlas would be the heavyweight champion in AEW if he had signed there. Like, no, no, he wouldn't. Yeah. But when I say blame the the TV, we of, try of we wrestling... try not to say his name on this show. <laughs> but 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 it's like <laughs> when he says stuff like that, he damns Jake Atlas to failure no matter what he does because unless. Nobody knew, for the most part, who Jake Atlas was when he came to NXT. Mm -hmm. So now, because of what that guy, I guess we'll call him, said... um, You could say Tuna. We usually say Tuna. Anything short of the NXT championship now, he's set him up to fail. Like, there is no level of success Jake Atlas can achieve that won't be underwhelming based on the the level that was put forth for him. Oh, no, I 100% agree with, with what you're saying about what Meltzer did to that kid because that's exactly what he did. Um, I'm not giving him that much credit and reach. I'm saying, like, the wrestling fans as a whole probably don't think much of the mid-card guys because of the way we've seen the Intercontinental Championship portrayed in the past 20 years. Like, like that was a big deal when Bret Hart won it back then, and he he didn't have to be a world champion. But to that point, the guys in AEW who have held that mid-card title have been very credible over guys, right? Right. No, that's fine. Absolutely. But I'm saying, like, the majority of fans are like, this guy has to be world champion because anything less is is not... Would be uncivilized. Yeah. <laughs> but, they, but AEW made it okay because Cody is one of those types of talents, but... He can never be world heavyweight champion, and will never oh, be world heavyweight champion. In please, AEW. I give it another year. I <laughs> think <laughs> he said that last year, to be fair. Still a young company. We'll see what happens. But and Cody's just retiring to... in three years, remember. <laughs> so he can run for office in Georgia. Oh. Um, and God knows, he may never recover from that slightly torn rotator cuff. It's mm, fact. Or the kick in the balls Jake Cargill is sure to give him. Yeah. Uh, to throw it back though, just to just to mention it, um, I think I thought that your you guys' take on uh, last week's WWE rundown on uh, Tuna was just was perfect. It's it's carnally bullshit to sell page views mm-hmm. at this point, and that's all it is. And so it, it's it's very hard to take anything that he says seriously. When, because... For us, that's true, hundred percent. But there yeah. are people. There's still an element oh, yeah. of the wrestling fandom that uh, believes every word that comes out of this guy's mouth. Yeah. 
like unequivocally, Shit. and it's it's a frightening phenomenon. Maybe that's my disconnect that we've seen on a larger scale recently. I was, gonna so, say, I was just gonna say, is he the wrestling cue? Yeah, basically. So from Impractical Jokers. <laughs> um, I love that show, by the way. So that maybe that's my problem with and my disconnect with the whole Melter thing. Like in my mind, like I don't think of how many people actually like believe what he says. So I'm like, why would you believe what he says? <laughs> people li- literally pay to read this guy's opinions. Yeah, I guess in my mind, I just think like everybody thinks like us. Like this guy's a fucking idiot. Yeah. And even your favorite wrestlers have made fun of him before, like in shoot interviews. Yeah. So why would you believe anything he says? But you're right. I guess that's the thing. I don't realize how many people actually do fucking listen to that guy. Because fans want to feel like they're a part of the business, like they're in behind the curtain, and Meltzer sort of gives them that outlet to let them feel that way, even though half of the shit he says isn't true. You want to feel that way, and you want to get lied to? I would say more than half. You want to feel that way, you want to get lied to, but at least you'll be more, you know, correct? Go listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast. Rather listen to Pritchard, and that's that's saying something. I'd rather listen to Pritchard than Meltzer any fucking day. But hey, plans change. <laughs> True. To the bar, where Hangman and Hardy are already drunk, or Hangman is at least. Hardy is apparently just making a mess on the floor. Do you know what happened uh, back in WWE when uh, they did that angle with Jericho and uh, Moxley, and the potted plant got smashed over his head? Yeah. Plans changed. Plans changed. <laughs> nice. Mitch, no! (laughs) Now that Hangman is drunk, Hardy presents him with one of those carny contracts he told Hardy he didn't want last week. Hardy gives up the gimmick directly into the camera again and rushes out as soon as the ink is dry. Because that's how people normally act. (laughs) Can I get get mad? Go away. Please, go for it. Are you fucking kidding me? Really? Now Hangman's part of this fucking shit? With this stupid goddamn Hardy Carney? <laughs> I don't the worst part of it. The worst part of it to me was, was, like I said, Hardy directly giving up the gimmick straight into the camera. I wanted you here to film this because when he sobers up, he's going to be a little bit mad. But if I have it on camera, then it's all legal. Fit the right whole fucking Hardy. thing, man. The Shut whole fucking up. thing. The whole fucking thing. Well, it's the same, to be in Matt Hardy's defense, it's the same thing he does when he sleeps with the rats. So... <laughs> I just, want to, I just want to have you here so you know she consented. Okay. <laughs> oh, wouldn't like Allegedly. That. <laughs> um, no, this whole fucking thing sucked, and I hate that Hangman's going down this path. It's just such a... Uh, it pisses me off. Well, Thanks, so Hardcore you, Holly. So you say that, but you, uh, you did catch the part where um, Hangman swapped contracts on him, right? I don't want. I I did catch it. I don't want Hangman involved in the angle with Matt Hardy. I don't necessarily either. But if it ends up being an angle where Hangman comes out of it making Hardy look like a fucking idiot, I might be okay with it, depending on how it's done. Yeah, but what are we doing with Hangman? Like that's all he's doing. What's the alternative right now for him, Sal? I guess is the question. Um. Heading into the pay-per-view, everyone else is occupied with this stuff. So you've got it, – it, it's keeping him on TV. That's and true. If, like I said, if it ended up with him 
actually signing to be one of and then we're going down that road no right but i am at least curious to see where this goes and what hardy actually agreed to <sighs> see i did i did miss that to be fair i also watched this at six o'clock this morning yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah hardy, hardy puts down the contract yeah. and as he's as he's mansplaining to the camera what he's doing yeah okay. uh, you see, you see in the background just... page pulls out his own contract throws hardy's on the floor signs the one he had in his pocket and then tells I, Matt, oh, you need to sign this too, right? Yeah. I completely missed that. Which uh, was yeah. great. And, and I appreciate Kevin Owens came out. Yeah. Uh, no, I appreciate Hangman doing that. My thing was just like, oh, it's, the first thing I thought of was, great, this is going to extend for a few more weeks now. <laughs> which, which sort of begs the question to me uh, on another angle going on on this show. If if the whole thing with the Bucks and the Good Brothers doesn't end with the Bucks completely making the Good Brothers look like assholes, then the Bucks look like complete idiots. Because if they're not like sort of stringing these guys along, like oh yeah, we know what you're fucking doing, but we're gonna play into it and see where you get, like we're gonna fuck you over at the end. If they end up just being like oh my god, I can't believe you guys turned on us at the end, then they're gonna look like complete fucking idiots. Get prepared for them to look like complete fucking idiots. <laughs> they're they're usually booked like they're smarter than everybody else though. So right, because mostly because they're doing the booking. No, <laughs> and I I totally get that, but it's Kenny, and I feel like Kenny's gonna try to push this this heel character to the moon, and if the Bucks are faces, they're gonna, you know. Well, unless the Bucks are the ones that actually open the forbidden door. Well, denying they ever would. That would be get, that would be really good storytelling. Does this company do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, once in a while they do, but hey, when do we get to the Jade Cargill workout video? <laughs> Apparently, they nixed that this week. Oh, what a time's already for that. I had the lube and everything. From there, we go to Tony Schiavone <laughs> to talk to. Uh, as soon as Tony asks the question, Taz and Hobbs appear on the big screen to drag a body bag containing Darby about 40 feet behind an SUV. Sting rushes to Darby's aid. To my <laughs> note, what the fuck's Sting going to do? Run down the SUV? Not even run. <laughs> he was like, oh, I got to go. Um, so again, remember what I said earlier about Darby? Double down on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Do you like how they had to show us that his face, was, you know, before they zipped it all the way up? Like, no, yeah, look, it's really cool. Darby. I was waiting for him to take a hard left and, like, slam him into the side of the truck. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Um, but over and above that, boys and girls, everybody who defended this, can you now see why WWE didn't want to do anything with Sting? Because you legitimately can't do anything with him. But, dude, you're the same one who said that this was a big deal for them at the year-end awards that they signed Sting. There there are two things that can be a completely... Again, what I said at the time was I don't want to see him wrestle. True. There are ways they can use him where he can be beneficial. Coming out every week and not saying anything in a promo, he's literally said nothing to advance this story. Excuse me. He no. said... He said, we're hoodlums, and he said, look into my brown eye. That's it. <laughs> I want to be the first to publicly congratulate you on winning the TNT Championship. A month and a half after you won it. After Cody shook his hand immediately after the match. Right. Uh, Snow. 
Sting, leave. Um, no, I, I was critical of this because I was like, like you said, if the WWE can't fucking figure out a way to Troy, use can them, we get that on a t-shirt? <laughs> if the WWE can't figure out a creative way to use them, what, what makes me think that AEW will? And then they did it, like, he did the same thing every week. He's still doing the same thing. He comes out there, he says hi to Shivani, and then nothing, and then we end the segment. I mean, I mean, by the way, that fist has... bump looks so fucking awkward. <laughs> Two old guys trying to be cool. Uh, <laughs> Team Taz can't jump him. He nope. can't get involved with them live. So he can't go save Darby. So you literally can't do anything with him. But we're going to dedicate 10 minutes of the program to him. Oh, and he's not going to do anything. Right. Like, remember when he was in TNA and even, like, you know, not necessarily the matches, but, like, he would come in there, he would cut a promo on Mick Foley, or he would cut a promo on Samoa Joe, or he would be fighting with Hulk Hogan. Like, he did stuff to yeah, advance the, the story. I was one of the people that liked Joker Sting. So I like Joker Sting. Yeah. I feel like he did stuff back then. He doesn't do nothing now. No. Nope. Nothing. Like you said, what has he done to fucking advance this? Nothing. And next week he's going to call out Team Taz. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, he's going to come to the ring and they're going to get up on the video screen and cut a promo because they can't touch him. He, he broke some windows with a bat. Because <laughs> he's a hoodlum. This is so late. Like we, said, like we said two weeks ago with Troy, I can't wait till March 7th when we see uh, uh, from behind Brandon Cutler in a bad wig uh, taking bumps as Sting and then... Yeah, but for is, now, because Sting, Sting from uh, WCW still alive. That's uh, what we had said before. Cobra is Jeff Farmer. Is his name? Jeff right? Farmer? Yes, I said just get Jeff Farmer to do it. Um, yeah, we but are farmers. Bum, ba, dum, bum, bum. He is still he is still alive. But he Sting, is, but Sting could at least, at the very so least, Sting. Yeah, that's true. At the very least, Sting could at least cut a promo. And advance the story and Jeez. talk shit to Taz or something. Like, what has he done? I think they don't know what they're going to be able to get out of him, and that's why they're limiting what he says. You Sting don't want is, Sting is sixty-one years old. Yep. You guys have said that on the show before. Why do you seem surprised? Because it because it still blows my mind. Because it's still like, holy shit, that dude is sixty-one years old. Which, by the way, when all that fake snow gets stuck in his hair, makes him look older than he is. <laughs> Thank you. That's I said to you that last week. You know, my problem with this thing is when he was in '98, um, he had that long, like, black hair, and it, it went more, and now it's all bald and light, and the snow gets stuck in it, and he looks even balder. <laughs> True. You're not wrong. Um. Ugh. Yeah. What's Sting gonna do? He's gonna run after the fucking SUV. Good God. All right. No, go he's not. He can't run. Yeah. <laughs> My head hurts, and I'm going to lay down. <laughs> Hill stenosis is fine if he runs. Speaking of which, what's going to happen next week if they do try to get Sting to do physical activity and he breaks his fucking spine? I like to see the fucking um, the stands defend that. This week's coach's corner, Sting suffered a partially severed spine. <laughs> <laughs> No, but that, if you if you want to flash back to old school rundown, it was a slightly severed spinal cord. <laughs> that was what I was going for. I was yeah. going for the throwback. Slightly, I I, I remember it because of the alliteration. Slightly severed spinal cord. 
Uh, we come back from break for a replay of what happened before break. Goldfish. And then Marvez is an asshole to Kenny at a golf course. Who the, who the fuck walks up to a guy mid-swing and goes, Can I see a crazy? Um, well, even more than that, they were like, oh, they left Marvez stranded. Fuck you, they did. He got here himself. We haven't gotten there yet. Uh, Omega goes full George W. Bush, and then Marvez asks him about tonight's match. The punchline is that Callis kicked the ball into the hole while Omega was talking. Uh, Marvez asks them for a ride, and we go back to the arena, which is the point that I wrote. How did he get there in the first place if he didn't have a ride? I will say I liked when Kenny was like, hey, another eagle there, huh, Don? (laughs) (laughs) No, that was good. That was good. Yeah. I will and of say, course, of course enjoyed, Nakazawa has the caddy. I have enjoyed heel Kenny and, and his sort of not giving a shit attitude. Yeah. I it's it's amazing. We say it all the time. Just what a heel turn can do for someone. Um, well, that's because it's it's really so much easier to be a heel. Right, and every wrestler has said that on every podcast. Yeah. So and I and I get it. It's gotta be very difficult to be a good and funny and over baby face. But um you know, this Kenny's great. It's so fucking great. And and but you know what? The, fucking the only job comes... easier. The only job easier than being the baby face is being the Moxley style. I don't give a fuck face, because you really can do whatever the fuck you want. You can act like a complete heel and still get cheered. Yeah. But that's worked for you know two decades now. So. It takes a select people who can pull it off, though. No, that's true. Incredibly. Like, Miz can't do it. <laughs> I, I mean, mm. Moxley's convinced a lot of people he can do it. He hasn't convinced me he can do it, but that way. Uh, oh. two, two obvious ADR as Excalibur talks about the Women's Eliminated Tournament. This is the first contest in the tournament. Serena Deeb versus Riho. Sorry, what? It's not? Oh. No. I was going to say that. Wasn't that supposed to be the first match in the tournament? <laughs> it was. That? That's correct. But it's not. Or at least, if it was filmed before this match, we don't know that. <laughs> Dave said the finals of this tournament is taking place at Revolution, which, let me see, checks my calendar. Is what, three weeks away? No. Four weeks away? It's, March it's, 7th? It's, it's, yeah, We're it's about February four. February now, yeah, dude. Four, yeah. No, it's about four, yeah, four weeks from when, you know, they started this tournament. So, so we're three or four weeks away. Nah, it's like four weeks away. Literally what I said, dude. You said three, <laughs> and I thought it was five, but you're right, it's four. That's fine. So, which which means now, so that was last week, so this week's already happened, which means you've got, what, three more weeks of TV to run through the entire American side of the bracket. They, um, I think they'll get the first round done by next week, right? I don't know if they're doing it one match a week, no. Well, because all the, why, all the why first round... Again, and I say this, I say this on NXT, so I can be critical here of AEW for the same thing. How much of this backstage shit could we have cut out and gotten us another women's match? <laughs> no, right that's here? true, hundred percent. But um, don't forget about Dark. No, the well, only reason I, I bring I, that I, up, I'm literally convinced that the entire Japanese thing is going to be the Japanese side of the bracket is going to be like one week on YouTube. Dude, I was just going to say that. Like they said that after this match. On Monday, we're getting the entire first round of the Japanese bracket on YouTube at 7 o'clock. Monday at 7 p.m. So if they're going to finish that round on Monday, then they got to finish up the American side soon after that, right? Probably. It's, uh, it's Yuka Sakazaki versus Mei Suruga. Uh, I, have it. Versus... I have it all after this match. I have it all after this match. Okay. So let me, please. 
We're already, we're already like three hours in. All right. So, legit Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa. Rosa makes her entrance, and we go to comments. Rosa made earlier today. Rosa has three things she wants to do. Win the women's tournament and get a shot at the AW women's title. Win back her NWA women's title. And get revenge on Big Nose Britt Baker. Specifically with no rules, so we're doing a street fight? That's right. So I, I, first off, I love legit Layla Hirsch, mm-hmm. but it looks like somebody left Shayna Baszler in the dryer too long. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That said, uh, I was very. She's disappointed. only four foot eight. I was very disappointed Thunder Rosa wasn't wearing the outfit from last week. Sure. <laughs> uh, Rosa and Layla chain wrestled to begin very nicely, I might add. Layla grabs Rosa by the hand and hops to the top rope to hit a her and Karana, and send Thunder to the outside. Layla follows up with a tope suicida to Rosa, and both girls crash into the barricade. They fight back into the ring, and after a quick exchange, Rosa hits Layla with a neckbreaker across the middle rope, and that sends us to box. Adam, we actually get full box this time, two weeks in a row. They must have been listening. Yes, yeah, because they used half box during the Cody match. As we come back from box, Rosa hits Layla with a basement clothesline into the corner. You gotta have full box for the women's match. So just saying. Falls up with double knees and then a shotgun dropkick. This gets a two count. Layla comes back and hits two consecutive German suplexes. She goes for a third, but Thunder Rosa blocks it and sends Layla into the turnbuckle. Layla hits a second rope crossbody for another near fall. Layla goes for a top rope moonsault, but Rosa gets her knees up. Rosa then covers Layla, but only gets a two. Layla fights back with some running knees and kicks to Thunder Rosa. Layla goes up to the top for a second moonsault attempt and a second miss. Maybe you don't do that move anymore. Made her look kind of stupid. Yeah. Thunder Rosa hits a running knee off the Miss Moonsault, but can only get a two count. Thunder Rosa attempts the Thunder Driver, but Hirsch counters into an armbar and then transitions into a triangle. Rosa uses her strength to lift Layla for, from the triangle and deliver a one-on powerbomb. Eh. Rosa snatches up Layla and this time hits the Thunder Driver for the win. Thoughts on the match? Did it look like she was trying to kick out at the end and Thunder Rosa didn't let her? To anybody else, or was that just me? Um, say it that way. Okay. Um, I think after Rosa took the clean, well, quote-unquote clean loss to Britt Baker last week, um, I would have liked to see her with either an opponent that she could have got a super convincing win over or, you know, just a super convincing win over Layla. Because I know, I know that they they want to do something with Layla, so they probably didn't want to job her out too hard. But I would like to see Rosa get like a a dominating win, so put her in the first round with somebody who you could have her do that with. But that's just me. Um, also, also, um, if wins and losses and rankings matter, why are we having a tournament to see who's the number one contender? <laughs> Don't you have a little list that would tell you Red Velvet gets that title shot? Just get rid of the rankings at this point. What the fuck? Seriously, it just invites problems. It, it creates problems for them. It creates... It 100% things. creates problems for them. You're it creates right. things for shitty smarks to, like, ourselves to get on them for, so... <laughs> yeah, but it's, uh, why it do you need to make no fucking Red Velvet the number one contender? 
Or the number because, one ranked, I because guess. Because she's got to be important going into the match. She's not. Cody. We all know she's Brandy's fucking body double. Like, <laughs> there's no point. She's, she's the little brand brand real doll. Yes. In life size form. But <laughs> that Cody has sex with. Don't waste time trying to make her important. You want to put her in that match because Brandy's pregnant? That's fine. I don't. She's not important. She's not. A top women's wrestler in this company. Stop like trying to make Red Velvet happen. Right. I'm, I'm picturing Cody just being one of those guys like where Brandy's like, let's do it. And he's like, ew, no, there's a baby in there. Gross. <laughs> either that or either that or he's like, hey, babe, how about, how about, no, I'm not feeling it tonight. And he goes in the closet and pulls out Red Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after the match, they send us to the bracket. Um, I liked the match for what it was. I was obviously happy Thunder advanced, but it was a little sloppy at times. Yeah. It's, you know. Fair. How long till Tony Khan buys the rights to Thunderstruck? Oh, give it a week. Thunder. Uh, Thunder Rosa now advances and awaits the winner of... That's what it was last week. The dude in the crowd was trying to sing last week. That's what he was doing? Oh, that's awful. Um... Thunder Rosa advances. She awaits the winner of Serena Deeb and Riho. Also on the American side, Tay Conti takes on Nyla Rose. Good luck with that one. And Dr. Britt Baker takes on Anna Jay. Sadly, that means Anna Jay's probably losing in the first round. So who do you think wins this whole thing? Well, we'll, hold, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, just let me do the Japanese side of the bracket. Yuka Sakazaki it, takes none on... None of those people are winning anyway. Who are we kidding? <laughs> well, if I had to guess on who's coming from that side... Um, it's I'd, not that kind of show, so. <laughs> I'd love it if it was Mackie Ito. She she seems really fun, or uh, but it's probably gonna be like Yuka she Sakazaki. She is the of shit. Yes. <laughs> it's probably gonna be Yuka Sakazaki. Who comes from the American side? I mean, they're probably gonna set up a semifinals of of Brit versus Thunder Rosa, right? Would it be the winner of the American side? Riho takes on the winner of the Japanese side. <laughs> and then the winner of that takes on Sheeta. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh god. Um. Yeah, but she just got the numbers advantage because of that baby we talked about. But um, the whole thing with uh, if you do this whole thing and it doesn't end up with Britt Baker finally getting that shot, then what the fuck was the point? Because then. You've completely, I sort of feel like you've already completely wasted a, what should have been a pretty big victory over Thunder Rosa for her by having to have her go through this tournament. Like, that should have been a match for the number one spot in the rankings and the title shot. Now, do you see Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker meeting in the in the tournament in, the, in that semifinal spot? Well, let me ask you this then, Sal. Mm-hmm. Do you envision them bringing Riho back to lose before the semifinals of that half of the bracket? Because Thunder Rosa would have to beat Riho for that to happen. Yeah, but that's the other side of it. You're telling me Riho's going to get a win over Thunder Rosa? I don't like that at all. <laughs> I mean, I want to put it past them, but I definitely don't like it. It's it's Kenny's buddy. Like you said, if, if if Britt ends up winning this thing, then fine. But, I don't know. We'll see. I'm going to watch the Japanese matches, though. Just, you know. I want to take a look at that on YouTube. 
Yeah, there's a special on Maki Ito on YouTube, if you guys aren't familiar with her. That was a really good video you sent. Yeah. It was really well done. About a half hour. So. It involved Yuka Sakazaki, too. Yes. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, the Japanese side of the bracket will be shown this Monday on YouTube, on AEW's YouTube channel. Then we go to a pre tape sit-down with Tony Schiavone, who's with Jungle Boy. Tony tells us Marco's okay for anyone who was worried about him last week. We weren't. Jungle Boy talks directly to Dax Hardcock. He says Dax gave him the fight of his life two weeks ago on Dynamite, but Jungle Boy won, and he's the best because he beat him. He says when FTR fight Jurassic Express, he's going to make Dax his bitch. Any thoughts on this promo? When you stuck your fingers in your ass, it changed me. But, no. Um, I, I just want to echo what you guys said last week. I, I am going to end up ultimately hating Tony Khan for giving Jungle Boy this music because it's going to become AEW's version of the what chant. The crowd's just going to sing it all the fucking time. Well, okay. You 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 nailed it, but you had the comparison wrong. It's Nakamura's song. It's the exact same way NXT actually, randomly actually, you know sing Nakamura's song. Com- no, you know what the best comparison is? Because they only did that during Nakamura's, when Nakamura was out there. What right. it's going to be? Is the Fandango song where they're just oh, going to do it when he's not there? He's right. That, there it is. There it is. I forgot about that. That was a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're just going to do it throughout the whole night. Yeah. Until they get bored or until Jericho comes up. And then they can sing Judas. Um. Any Judas thoughts on Jungle Boy's? Behind. Any thoughts on Jungle Boy's promo? It was fine. I mean, we've, we've come... I, I do see Jungle Boy with the potential to be a star. Um, mm-hmm. I like that he's actually talking now instead of being the mute that he was for the first year or so. Um, you got to get... you got to get him away from this Jurassic The bullshit with, with um, Luchasaurus and Mako Stunt? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I if mean, you're going to actually do anything with him. There's really no reason Luchasaurus is no longer horny and Marco sucks. So you might as well get rid of him. Yeah. Well, I think I think they like Luchasaurus though. I don't I don't mind Luchasaurus, although again, for all the people that tell me, well, UW doesn't do all the hokey shit WWE does. They have a guy pretending to be a dinosaur. But anyway. You mean he's not? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and he's not a dragon. Um <laughs> But no, I, I I like Luchasaurus. I think he can be useful as well. And if you want to make him and Marco a team, sure. But Jungle Boy has potential to, to exceed that grouping. Although somebody in our host thread made the point it's starting to become like Japan where everybody's got an affiliation. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you with you, your gang colors. You're you're a fan of New Japan. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um It just depends it on here. exactly like how it plays I out. I don't know that it works here. Okay. I mean, at the at the other side of that coin, being it depends on how it's integrated. So, being a, a fan of MMA over here too, I mean, you always hear, oh, this guy's a part of American Top Team, or this guy's part of Gracie or yeah. Academy, or I mean, that's that's sort of a thing too. But you know, every member of American Top Team doesn't come to the fucking octagon with them either. You know what I'm saying? True. So, it depends. Yeah, on how no, you like you said, it depends. But like chaos over there in new japan that's still a stable right well i mean you already have chaos project here so no 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 but what i mean is chaos over there had like 14 guys at one point right yeah 
But they the weren't, is, but only like a name. It wasn't like they were like coming to the ring together every, or, or, or no, fucking 14-man no. no, tags but, or something. But, but the other the other thing is the reason that makes more sense in Japan is they are very big on the multi-person tag matches. Okay. Well, if you watch AEW lately. It's very, it's, it's routine to have eight-man tags and ten-man tags and. Have you watched Dynamite lately? The the question is, is this going to become factions in NJPW, or is this going to become Survivor Series 97 gang rules? Probably 97. <laughs> They're already doing stuff like that, so... Well, I mean, now that Aaron Solo's in the Nightmare family, that's a game changer, so... Yeah. Next week on Dynamite, FTR returns from suspension to fight Matt and Mike Seidel. Because everybody who's got a wrestling brother gets a spot on Dynamite. Mm. Also, the suspension suddenly became two weeks. Yeah. Matt and Mike Seidel. Okay. Holy shit. Because in AEW, being the brother, mediocrely talented brother of an active wrestler gets you signed. Dude. Like, you can't even try to hide the nepotism? Like, just a little bit. Like, have this guy come out as, like, you know. Dude, so far, <laughs> we've got Dust, Dust, uh, Cody's brother, right? We've now, on this very episode, seen Arnie Anderson's kid. We've got Dolph Ziggler's brother. We're going to have Matt Seidel's brother. Um, there was another one, too. Uh, dude, um, Billy's been out there since day one Billy with his two guns. fucking kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bailey's boyfriend. Uh, Bailey's boyfriend. Right. Um, or fiance or whatever. But that's a little different. Like, it's not like Bailey works here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, no, but definitely fucking Billy Gunn's kids. Well, Dolph, Dolph Ziggler doesn't work here either. That's true. There's a fucking, there's another one I'm thinking of, too, and I can't. Oh, God, it's going to drive me nuts later. Adam Cole's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, maybe Britt, Boy, Britt Baker's boyfriend works over there. Peyton Royce's husband. <laughs> husband and boyfriends are one thing, but like legit siblings, sons, or you know, like where's Jake Roberts' kid? I'm sure he's oh, got one. Oh, right? kids. That was oh yes, yes, about. yes. Devon's kids. And, and Hook. Yes. And fucking Hook. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking guy who hasn't had a cup of coffee in his business and who was a lacrosse player last year is all of a sudden on TV. Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? And Cody's wife. Again. <laughs> Wives and, and girlfriends. Wife, you can say Kip's wife, too. Kip's wife, Penelope Ford. I, well, I get for, it. Don't forget about Sports. Hager's wife. She's been a factor. The fact that Arn's kid, though, is on TV. Yeah, she got sexually assaulted live on pay-per-view. His wife is a cut. No. Uh... <laughs> no let, let's be honest here. Arn's kid is now on TV. Admits all the other fucking people's kids that are on TV. Like, that's awful, man. Like, it, it makes me think... Like, everybody wants to give shit about, you know, Randy Orton and fucking all the, you know, multi-generation talent. They only get pushed, like, Tamina because of who their parents are. But you can't fucking tell me that Arn's kid getting TV time, Taz's kid getting TV time, like, all of this shit T- isn't, like, just as bad. Yeah, TV time is one thing. You can't tell me Mike Seidel deserves a spot on Dynamite and Scorpio Sky can't find one. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. There you go. That's a and fact. it's Black History Month. Yeah, it's Black History Month. Which, um, 
I'll give him credit because it, it was cute. Troy said, oh, how much you want to bet that they get um, you know, a black person a title this month because it's Black History Month? And I'm like, they won't bother. There's no way. They won't give a shit. Did you just say your own joke was cute? No, I'm saying Troy thinking that they were going to put the titles on, on an African-American person but, just because it was Black History Month. I was like, they don't care. By the way, I am dying to see where this SCU breakup storyline goes. No, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> uh, also, Hangman and the Hardy Party take on TH2 and the Chaos Project. Why? Sting calls out Team Taz. Get off my lawn. And Serena Deeb takes on Riho and more first-round action. Also, did they, did they advertise any other matches in the women's tournament for next week? No. Not yet, unless they put them on dark. Okay. Uh, also, as a, as much as I said, I enjoy the concept, but with no fucking build and for no reason other than fodder, the Bucks put the belts on the line against Santana and Ortiz, which should at least be a good match. Yeah. 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 For a random dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kenta enters with his briefcase. Justin Roberts somehow manages to introduce Kenny Omega with his back to the hard cam and the microphone nowhere near his face. Then we go to break. Uh, we return for the entrance of Lance Archer. Don Callis is on commentary. Moxley enters from next to the stage this time and is introduced as the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion. Tony mentions how prestigious Must the title just is. just won that, huh? Yeah, despite it never having been mentioned or seen on AEW television before. Mm. Uh, the bell rings. Kenta cracks Mox in the back of the head with a briefcase. He tries to use the briefcase on Archer, who no-sells it, so fuck you, Moxley. Omega starts beating on Mox, then uh, Kenta throws him off so he can beat on Mox, so they look at each other rudely, then they decide to double-team. Uh, Lance Archer waits patiently as his partner gets double-teamed, then he pounces Omega. Uh, Omega fights out of a powerbomb with a Hurricane Rana, then Mox knees him to the floor, and we're one-on-one -on -one in the ring, Mox and Kenta. Uh, so far, there's only one referee. If Paul Turner's in the ring with Mox and Kenta and Omega's pinning Archer on the floor, who's going to count it? Mox wants a paradigm shift, but Kenny hits him with a trash can. Omega puts the can on the turnpost, then hits the rolling senton, then grabs the moonsault and uh, grabs the trash can and hits the moonsault. Well, uh, he then holds the can in place so Kenta can drop kick it into Mox's face. At one point, you mentioned Moxley was holding um, Kenta for the paradigm shift, and he literally stares at Kenny as Kenny struggles to come inside the <laughs> ring <laughs> with the trash can and waits for him to hit him with it. True. Very awkward. Meanwhile, Archer has retrieved a ladder. He takes out both opponents with it. Max dives on uh, Mox. Max. Mox dives on Kenta. Omega gets sent into the ladder, and we go to box. Uh, when we come back, Omega and Archer fighting near Peter Avalon's bed. Uh, Avalon gets GTS. Then Kenta tries to suplex Archer onto the bed, but Archer blocks it. Omega then gets thrown through the bed, and that gets a two count. Uh, Mox sits Kenta in a chair and then kicks him hard in the chest. This gets a two count. Uh, the problem with doing a Falls Count Anywhere match with no crowd is that they walk up through the stands and now we have to wonder where all this goddamn noise is coming from. Lance follows Kenta and Mox. We catch up with them in the kitchen. Moxley gets DDT'd on a stainless steel table as I can't help but notice the clock behind them says it's 1.15. <laughs> Did you also notice the ref holding the tables together so they didn't fall through them? Because they're on wheels, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Omega enters and gets beaten up with potatoes. Uh, I'm so glad they do serious fighting in AEW. 
Uh, we then get replays from earlier in the match as they edit travel out. Oh, and it was worse because they said, oh, he potatoed him. Yeah. <laughs> inside of, this has been terms of the inside. <laughs> Can you imagine if they halted the multiverse in the middle of the match? Oh, uh, you know what? I might actually appreciate that just because of the bizarreness. <laughs> Uh, Mox and Omega are outside heading back down the ramp next to the stage where Mox entered from, which is weird because when they left for the kitchen, it was over here. Actually, they're coming actually, back over. they could have broken away and paused for the multiverse because instead what they did was while a live fight was going on, they decided to full screen highlights of what had already happened yeah. and completely cut away from the match that was quote unquote going on live. That's mm-hmm. true. Editing travel. Uh, the fuck was that? Uh, they brawl at ringside and Mox retrieves a kendo stick from under the ring. He beats on Omega with it and throws him into the ring to beat on him some more. Check this out, right? This is, this is going to be innovative. Ready to watch. Now I'm over on this side. <gasps> Fantastic. <laughs> Visual jokes on audio <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, he comes off the top but gets triggered he rolls to the floor and awkwardly collapses uh, Kenta and Archer appear through an entrance tunnel as Mox gets triggered again Lance wants to powerbomb Kenta onto the announced desk which obviously isn't happening because it's a fucking glass top table with three huge monitors on it uh, shockingly Kenta fights out and runs off the stage with a double foot stomp on Moxley on the timekeeper's table uh, Archer catches the Kendo shot from Omega and breaks the stick chokeslam to Omega then the old school moonsault this gets a two uh, Omega either drops out of the blackout or Archer drops him as the good brothers come out, depending on if you think the brothers missed their cue or not. Uh, Archer gets cuttered, Anderson gets short arm clotheslined by Jake Roberts, then Jake gets punched by Gallows and uh, very awkwardly falls over. Uh, Omega wants to trigger Roberts, but Mox appears with a barbed wire baseball bat. Uh, he takes out Omega and both brothers. Did you know that if you hit someone in the in the title belt with a barbed wire baseball bat it hurts real bad literally you could hear the clink as the barbed wire hit the title belt yep. on both of them and like, they sold it like yeah that would have been a great spot to go ha ha fucker like, yeah, right uh he takes out omega and both brothers but then gets gts archer gets magic killered uh then triggered then one wing angel and omega pins archer for three they celebrate and we go off the air well, it was almost like the shield triple power bomb because he had to have the good brothers help him pick him up for the for the vitro, for the uh, one wicked angel. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's there, big. Help me. He's there, big. There was there was a portion of of my watching this that I really wondered how much heat do they really want to get on Omega? Like, is he going to v trigger Jake Roberts? <laughs> Are they going to actually try to show that? It was so. It was. Jake so Roberts, gross. more physicality than Sting. Yes. <laughs> also, somebody uh, Don Cal's on commentary was making fun of Jake Roberts, and Shivani or something said something like, "Well, why don't you go down there and Jake can come up here?" And Excalibur goes, uh, "We can't allow Jake on a live mic." <laughs> probably not wrong. Yeah, probably not. Uh, Your uh, this, mother's a whore. <laughs> this match was uh, it was chaotic. It was it was a crazy brawl. <sighs> whatever. So one thing that stood out to me when he was in you know NXT or whatever, everyone knew that Kenta was a good worker, right? 
Yeah. Um, there were two real knocks on him. One, that he lacked a certain charisma, and I still sort of feel that way even here. Um, but two, that it would be hard to bring him up to the main roster because he was so small. And Mox isn't a huge guy, but Kenta looked fucking tiny next to Mox when they were fighting in the back. And then I'm like, you're going to put him in there with Lance Archer? Yeah. It's just it's it's a hard sell, and it works in Japan because there are a lot of them. A lot of the Japanese performers are smaller guys. It's not as big a deal, and plus, his style fits with what they do over there so well. It's not necessarily the same here. The visual was a little jarring, mm-hmm. and it's everybody's favorite thing. It's a Falls Count Anywhere match that ends in the ring. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I see what you're saying though with Kenta and his like, like the visual appearance of him. It's weird because when he was over, when I saw that clip of Mox in Japan, it wasn't that bad because Kenta and everybody else around was still like the same size. But yeah, like you said, let's put him in there with Lance Archer. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe not the best choice. <laughs> Penta would have been a better choice. Not Penta. Phoenix. But whatever. That's what it is. If you line them up, they can look like the uh, the cell phone service indicator. But by God, Tony, he's got the EBD claw on that small Oriental boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, Oriental is not the proper nomenclature. I understand that. That's why I did it in Jim Ross' voice. <laughs> right. I, I just wanted to quote the Big Lebowski. Uh, Adam, what'd you think of fucking the main event? <sighs> unsatisfying as a as a false Kennedy match. Um, very the, the 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 fact that the editing was so obvious was just kind of painful to me. <laughs> like uh, like we mentioned, here's here we're in the kitchen. Oh, here's replays. Oh, we're back at the ring. Uh, I, was, I'm personally so glad that we got so many potato jokes. Just, and when it, they came back to the ring, they had to be careful because you never know when Sue's going to drive her minivan down there, <laughs> or Cody in his pickup truck, so we can yeah. lightly so we can lightly bump a, uh, yes. a garbage can. I tell you, for everything, WWE does car entrances way better than AEW has so far. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of Dynamite overall this week? I, like I said, for a large part of it, I thought I was watching Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like we didn't. Dude, dude. I, 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 when I came over here from NXT this week, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to get a lot more in-ring action. I'm not going to get nearly as much backstage stuff. And it was like all backstage shit. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? It follows you everywhere. No, um, they've been doing this now where they don't know how to time out Dynamite. And what they do is after the first match, usually it's the first or second, they go into 30-something minutes of backstage or just non-match stuff. Mm. And I'm like, why Why is that right, just a giant block, like, right in the middle? And and then it just feels like too much. Like you said, we don't feel like we're getting a lot of wrestling. Right. And I don't but, think they used to do that on Dynamite. I think that's just something, like, new they're doing. But like I said, I do I do appreciate, and I, I say this all the time, that AEW gives us finishes, um, that they at least reward my investment and the time. Um, and don't necessarily treat me like a complete idiot in that regard. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, this wasn't, I, you guys can probably speak to it even better than I, but this certainly wasn't my favorite episode of AW. No. Um, I thought yeah. last week's was significantly better than this. Well, it was a hyped-up episode. It was it was Beach Break. I think most of them have been better than this lately. This was definitely one of the lower-end ones in recent memories, at least for me. So it's hard uh, for me to, to sit here and, like, really think of something I thought from this week that was great. Um. Like I said, I liked Pac's squash, squash match because it was a properly done squash. Was... When the squash match is the best thing you can get. Um, I didn't mind the TNT title match. I thought it was some good action back and forth. But other than that, there really wasn't much here this week. Dude, you got little, you got yeah. Big Shouty and Caesar bone in me. Um, <laughs> so you got you got a lot of stuff here. You know how much I struggled to stay awake during that match. <laughs> I mean, I got no Britt Baker, I got no Tay Conti, I got none of the exciting stuff. Thunder Rosa wasn't wearing the same outfit from last week. Like I was, it was disappointing week for women's wrestling. I mean, most weeks on AEW are probably disappointing weeks for women's wrestling. But um, yeah, I mean, Sammy Guevara quit the inner circle. That was something at least. I, I didn't get to, I didn't get to see Hangman in the ring. I got nothing from the Dark Order in the ring. I got. I mean, it was just it was jobber week for all intents and purposes. I mean, really, you you run through the card. You had Janela in the opening match. You had Avalon, Benoni, and and Lee Johnson in the second match. Uh, you go through a bunch of promos. The next match you had was Ryan Nemeth. Uh, after that, the next match you had was Jericho and MJF versus the Acclaimed. Okay, that's the first match that was like legitimate stars of the company versus legitimate. We're trying to make them stars of the company. Mm-hmm. So then more backstage stuff. Then the fifth match was the first round of the women's tournament, the women's tournament, which again, no disrespect to Layla. I'm a fan of hers, but she's not one of their higher profile performers. Um, and then the main event, the big the main event, you know, so, Kenny I mean, and, the, and the good brothers versus I'm not, I'm sorry. That was last week. Kenny and Kenta versus Archer and Mox. Probably three out of four of those people are their top stars. I do like the fact that they point out that three out of those four guys have been a IWGP United States champion. Yep. And Kenta's sure, the one that has. That was sort of a cool little tidbit. But, um, but yeah, this was not a ring-heavy week, and the ring action we got was not your top guys. This was... Almost like this was the group of people willing to stay for the 1 a.m. tapings. No bucks. No bucks this week. Like you said, no hangman in ring. Yeah, all your top guys did not. FTR didn't fight. Like, it was, yeah. The main event, I feel, you know, they put all the star power into the main event. Right. But other than that, you know. Also, Lance Archer should be a star in this company, and it feels like they go out of their way to minimize him. Um, you know. See he, that he being seems... said, right? Do you think that's where they're going next with Kenny? Because that's why I kind of no. mentioned it to you earlier. Is it going to be Kenny no. and Archer? No, no. I, I I'm pretty sure it's going to be a Kenny and Moxley rematch. It seems to be the most logical because there's already the heat there, and they haven't built anything new significantly heat wise. So, right. probably. And here's the other thing: factoring in the Japan aspect, it wouldn't shock me at all if Omega. Helps Kenta beat Moxley for the U.S. title on that oh, show. Yeah. Oh, the into... U.S. title. Kenta's but, definitely but one of the U.S. But as a way title. to lead into Revolution is what I'm saying. Hmm. 
I can see Archer getting um, a title shot, though, just even if it's on Dynamite. Like, maybe not a long program has, with though. Kenny, but... No, with Kenny. I mean, how many guys do you want... How many times do you want him to lose? Yeah. I don't know. It's just, to me, the way the Good Brothers helped out Kenny to do the one-winged angel made me think, like... He's we... lost to Cody. He's lost to Moxley. You want him to lose to um, Kenny, too? No, I'm just wondering if that's where they're going to go, because it just felt felt like that they were trying to push that narrative with Archer and, and Kenny. For Archer's part, I hope not. Archer needs a long, sustained string of victories to sort of rebuild him a little bit at this point. Wow. All right. Yeah, yeah this, uh, this episode was lacking. But I didn't get the the, the feeling, and maybe it's because I didn't watch it live, but I didn't get the feeling last week where, uh, as I wrote in my notes, good God, it's only 9 o'clock. <laughs> it, did, it did pass by quickly as a typical Dynamite episode does. So, But, um, yeah, not not great. Uh, to the news this week, as uh, mentioned a few times already, uh, Aaron Solo has been inducted as a member of the Nightmare Family, but also unfrozen caveman wrestler Nick Camarado is in the Nightmare Family, because why the fuck not, really? Um, just add more jobbers to that fucking group. Who cares? They must have put Aaron Solo in there so that they can get naked pictures of Bailey, right? <laughs> I don't fucking... Why? I, I said, we talked about this on WWE Rundown, I said it this time, and I'm going to say it again. This group isn't special if you add just anybody to it. Yeah. That, yeah. There's, not, there's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. Dude, it's not even yeah. a group. It's just like Cody's cheerleaders. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> tell, that to, tell that to Big Shouty, who just got his first win. Who cares about him? Who cares about fucking QT Marshall? Who cares about... Oh, did you... Did you catch that now that he's, uh... Now that he got the victory, they, they said he's now all elite? Like, they signed him or something? Yay. So you have to win a match to get signed. Yeah. But Cutler was two contract Cutler for a long time and he didn't win shit. Same with Avalon. Yeah. Well, he was one contract to Avalon. <laughs> yeah, but he hasn't won fucking jack shit. <laughs> and he didn't. He also, for... he also, if you're going to give him like the Playboy gimmick, you got to give him a hot chick to come to the ring with because... Yeah. You know, hey, you're pretty Peter Avalon, and you're accompanied to the ring by Cesar Bononi. I mean, to each their own. No, no shade or anything, but doesn't seem to fit his gimmick. At least not as they presented it on Dark. He was doing the fucking uh, what was uh, Christopher Walken the Continental bit from Saturday Night Live. Yes, that yeah. <laughs> champagne. Yeah, exactly. I think he actually did the champagne at one point. <laughs> Uh, um, all right, a couple of feel-good stories to, to finish us off here. Uh, first one, uh, Sami Zayn noted on Twitter that even with Brody Lee's passing, he has no plans to remove him from his fantasy hockey la- league, even named the league after Lee. I can talk. I really can't, but it's fucking one in the morning. Uh, he wrote, quote, even though he's gone, Brody could not be replaced in our fantasy hockey league. We kept him in, renamed the league in his honor, and auto-drafted his team. We set his lineup weekly, as you can see in the picture that he that he posted. He's trouncing me this week. I can only imagine the shit he'd be talking right now, unquote. So, I thought that was nice. Uh, the other thing we got uh, in a post on I can only hope that they named his team. Did somebody say Leo, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, in a post on Instagram, AEW's Dax Harwood opened up about his struggle with his weight over the years, revealing that at one time he was bulimic, wrote it, writing, quote, getting real for a second, I've always struggled with my weight. At one time, I was actually bulimic. My highest weight was 282 pounds, which on a 5'10 frame is not very attractive nor healthy. I've tried every diet, but they rarely worked because I'm so afraid of food. I was scared of going backwards. With the help of my friend, Ferlin Bailey, he's put me on a healthier path and continues to guide me along, even when I question him. More than a coach, he's a great human being. If you have any dietary workout needs, this is the guy for you. Thank you, Ferlin, for all your help. Now all you Internet fans can go back to talking about my dad bought and loose skin, unquote. And I just thought it was nice that, uh, that you know, he would open up about something like that. But Dash is the daddy. It's Daddy Dash. Not... <laughs> right? No, Daddy Dash and Dad bought Dax. That's the, that's the deal. Dax bought Harwood. No, okay. Again, it's one in the morning. Here comes the Dax. <laughs> Here comes the Casher. Ah, <laughs> uh, on that note, anything else, gentlemen? Uh, it was. It was. I appreciate hanging out with you guys. It was fun. Uh, we should definitely do it again. Maybe hopefully get a better episode of Dynamite. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Good to talk to you, Jason. Always a pleasure sure. to have another voice in here. Uh, yeah, sorry it wasn't a better wrestling episode, but <laughs> oh, you should have booked me a better show, Sal. I know, right? The but uh, yeah, if those of you guys can check me out every week on the NXT rundown as well as the WWE rundown, and next week the NXT Takeover Vengeance Day recap episode. So check it out and go to RundownWrestling.com to submit your picks for this coming Sunday's Takeover Vengeance Day. Why, why why did they add the day to it? Yeah, well, because it's on Valentine's, it's Valentine's Day. Day so so oh. this is their spin on it. You couldn't go with the massacre? I, no, apparently not. That's WWE rundown, actually. With the cage match and yeah. nope. Paul White? Nope. Yeah. Nope. Big show shows nope. up, yeah. Huh. Takeover Vengeance just sounds like the although, special edition Takeover although, Street Fighter 2 Given game. current <laughs> events in the world, the term massacre might have been something yeah. they wanted to avoid. Okay, sure. But Pussies. again, but again <laughs> Vengeance Day. Yeah. yeah, they've had better. I'll just I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still thinking about here comes the Dax, here comes the Casher. Uh, <laughs> that wraps it up for week 69. Up top, my brother, of the AEW rundown. Uh, as always, this will be, be safe. Bronx's favorite episode. <laughs> Stay sane. Be kind. Just be good to one another, would you? Listening to a Rundown Wrestling Network production. Please visit rundownwrestling.com 
for all of our shows, as well as our other special events. Keep it locked there, or subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Network on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher Premium, or anywhere you get your podcast from. Leave us a voice message that we will play on an episode by going to anchor.fm slash rundownwrestling slash message. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling. You can show us how much you love us by buying us a cup of coffee for just one buck at ko-fi.com slash rundownwrestling. Go to reddit.com slash r slash rundownwrestling. Follow us on Twitter at rundownnetwork. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundownwrestling. Email the show your dick pics and twat shots via rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Or go to Instagram or YouTube and look for Rundown Wrestling. Follow us on Twitch by going to twitch.tv slash rundownwrestling. And you can also follow our host Adam on twitch.tv slash the saleser effect. This has been a Rundown Wrestling Network production. <laughs>